It's a beautiful Saturday morning, everyone. We're dealing with about a foot of snow at my house. Frank, the little asshole he is, took off on me yesterday, Friday, to go coyote hunting. And we have the Animal Whisperer, the great Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources that has blessed us with his presence. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, you're here for the ISE show, right? Yeah. You're yeah. doing a seminar tonight? I did uh, one last night, and then I've got one this afternoon, yes. Gotcha. Well, man, uh, thanks for coming in. A lot of people like our last podcast. I had a couple ass clowns message me and tell me to shut up, and they wanted you to talk more. So <laughs> I'd like to tell you guys that I'll do that on this one, but it's probably not going to happen uh, when you and I talked about this, we don't get to see each other very often, and we both like to talk a lot. And so what we're doing is trimming down our standard conversation before the mic, and then we just have that on the mic. So if you don't talk like me talking, just turn off the podcast. Go listen to Gritty or Meat Eater or some talk about conservation. Just, just keep hitting that little 15-second, you, know, you know, fast forward, flick, 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 flick. Yeah, because we're going to do some bullshitting today. This will be a good one. So... What, uh, is there anything specifically you want to start off with? Oh, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if we need to start off with it because you brought up something about, um, you know, mule deer, you know, width of antlers and, and inside versus max spread. Cause I, you know what we were just, so when I walked in, if you haven't been down here, uh, Aaron's got like 8 million animals in the office here of the, everything, the piles of mule deer. So we he mentions he's got this deer and well, how wide do I think it is? And I, I don't remember if it was on, you know, it was on a Facebook chat form. I think it was, I don't know if it was I hunt Colorado or mule deer hunt. I don't know what it was, but someone said they were happy that, you know, they're, they were really ecstatic that they finally killed a 30 inch buck and they posted a picture of this deer and immediately there was two, there was two types of people commenting. One, people are like, dude, that's awesome. That thing's amazing. And then the, the next, the very next comment is, that is not a 30-inch buck. That is a bunch of crap. And so we're, it just absolutely, hunters just started eating their own. Just Like normal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the question was, is, is, okay, how do you, how do you, Aaron Snyder, when you say that buck is X wide, you know, that's what you well, That's what you asked me. When when I look at a buck and say how how wide is it, what do you say? And and the interesting thing about that discussion is, whitetail hunters and mule deer hunters are like 180 degrees apart. Yeah, from top to bottom. Oh yeah, I, yeah. So the it and you even brought up uh, what you do is even different than I've heard anybody else do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're looking at a buck, what are you going off of? Well, when I. Just uh, and to clarify, the one reason I do that is in a photo, there's two easy to see. The one, the way that you do it and the way that I do it. And mine just sounds better. Because, you know <laughs> yes, what I mean? Yeah, I'll give you that. It, yeah. You know, so and the same with an elk or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So a main beam is a main beam. Can't yep. really get around that. So when you talk about spread, you'll hear guys and they'll take every total kicker every the widest point from one side to another so if max you, outside spread almost like, like the world record uh, moose has got like a 17th kicker and it counts which is one of the reasons he's the world record um so for me i just take the widest point of the main frame um anywhere in that section without counting kickers okay so let me just clarify so you're talking about there are some people and that's what this guy did there's some people that go the maximum outside spread 
to include kickers. So if you shoot a, a, a standard frame, let's say he's a 24-inch buck, but he's got a 12-inch kicker on either side. Some people are going from the tip of that kicker to the tip of that kicker. I would say if you, in context, if I hopped on, and Robbie Denning and I talked about this on the podcast, if you go on and say you bench 500 pounds, this buck's 30 inches wide or whatever. Um, now, some people do it, sometimes me included, just to, to stir up shit, right? Because you know that you eat their own. But if you get on there in context, I think it's a good idea to say, hey, finally shot a 30-inch wide buck. He's 30 total from farthest point to farthest point. He's actually 24. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it's informational and it's not a 30-inch buck. But it See, and that's where I think maybe it was just because I grew up originally with whitetails. Because a whitetail hunter, when you ask how wide is that buck, they're – no one goes to the outside. Everybody's talking about Pope and Young, Boone and Crockett, inside spread. What's the inside spread of the beams? And so that's what was going on with this forum. People are like, no, that's 22 inches inside spread on the beams. But then people are like, well, that's not how you do mule deer. And he's like, what the hell are you talking? I mean, it just went wild. Here's where I get, well, mad is now if a guy's totally blowing it out of, okay, if a guy got on there and he's just like, hey, that's what how I'm counting it. And he says, well, I'm counting from farthest tip to tip, whether it's 30 inch wide or not, I'm counting it at that. And it makes me happy. I don't really care. But the, the reality is, uh, one, how much does it really matter? That, well, and that was the point too. That was really the point. But where it does matter, I think is informational. Cause I Bingo. know I got made fun of on, uh, I shot a big bull and uh, I think I said it scored three way more than it scored. And I didn't really know. I knew a rough idea on how to score. You know, I, I don't know. I didn't know exactly. And I think what ended up happening, because I had it scored and it was 349, 347. Um, and I counted, when we read the book, it shows you to take two widths, but you only count, count one. Count one. And so there was an extra 30 yeah. inches. Gotcha, right? or gotcha. 30 yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I which, see that happen all the time. W- which, uh, in in. In reality, once it got got going, I kind of, I was not. I mean, I. You didn't shut it down. (laughs) You didn't shut it down out of entertainment. Yeah, because it was pretty entertaining. But um, but in in truth, I learned a lot from that because I'm like, oh, because really, you look at a bull and you hear some guys say that bull's 360, and you look at another guy and there or a group of guys and those guys are going to be 330 and which those guys are generally the guys that are right. Um, almost everybody always overscores. And so you say, I always make jokes about it's an internet 150, like my yeah, whitetail. Yeah. I'll yeah. grab it here in a minute. And I say, it's an internet 150. What I get from it'll pass as a 150. But if you know what you're looking at, it's a mid to high 140s buck. But when it's that close to 150, I just say 150. If I put that on some kind of crazy ass whitetail forum, They'll eat my ass alive and be like, there's no way in hell that's 150. It's close, but it ain't 150. When I shot it, I knew it was close to 150. On the photos, we knew it was close to 150. We used the word 150 a lot, the number, but at no time did we ever think that buck was actually 150. And and you're being generous. generous. If if you had a mid-140s bucket, you call it 150. Very few people. I mean, typically what you see is a mid-120s to 130 buck saying, I got a 150-inch deer, and they've got it shoved into the the camera to where the the nose looks bigger than the body of the animal. And we took this buck to make sure we didn't, we took real, I'm right up against the deer. And, you know, let's, here's another one. I posted a... I think David Long started at Muley Hunter uh, okay. Facebook. I posted maybe three mule deer I shot with my stick, and um, 
one of them on that high country buck, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm a ways back, and we did it for more of the, the cool photo because we took, you take 30 photos up close and behind. It was such a steep angle it showed how steep it was. And, uh, and I'm not way behind the butt, but I'm sitting, my butt is edged with its butt, and it's through the horns. Someone had to get on there and be like, he went on a rant about scooting oh, yeah. back or oh, whatever. Yeah. And, and I don't, I got thick skin. <laughs> I just was like, hey, can I? Can I see yours? Yeah. You know, can I yeah. see your deer? Yeah. And uh, and uh, the one in Alberta you've seen, I'm not scooted back on that one. I'm just right there. I, now, I put, I always do when I sit there, I put my hand on it to give. Exactly. So people know I'm not 14 miles behind it and my hand's on the buck. But according to him, I was scooted back on that one. So my question is, for those who are listening, what type of person are you to live and ridicule other people at that level when they are your brothers in the outdoors. And I don't mean amongst your friends. If you're talking amongst your friends, talking shit about other people, that's not what I'm talking about. You're publicly spending your own time to get on and say, oh, you shot a cow instead of a bull. Oh, why are you scooting back? Why don't you scoot closer? I mean, for make fun of me all you want. I don't, I don't really give a shit. I, I've got thick skin. But God forbid they say Nice buck, yeah. right? I mean, no, I know. And, and that's where I get Now, if I would have got on there and said, this buck scores 180. There we go. Pour it okay. on me. Yep. I deserve yep, everything exactly. I get. On that bull I'm talking about, I deserved every, it, it actually became funny, but I deserved everything I got. But I just said, hey, here's a few mule yeah. deer I'm taking with the stick. And I think that's, I think that's where I come down to it too. If, if someone's just taking a really cool looking photo, and I took a couple of those like that with my buck this year, I mean, they just look nice. I mean, it's just, it's just a really good looking photo that just shows off that deer. I'm not trying to say, you know, there's some people that will, they'll shoot a 150 inch deer and then shove the, shove it in. Yeah. Yeah. There's it's nothing wrong art. with that. That's just an artistic photo that you, no. You can see I'm touching the deer. And, yeah. So there's You're also- not trying to shove the antlers into a a wide angle lens so you can add 30 inches to it and then give yourself some that, that photo makes the deer look smaller than it, than it actually is yeah. so but my thing was um i didn't post a score yeah, i exactly. done, didn't proclaim to be this i just was like hey here's some and i i am proud of the animals i shoot with a stick because quite honestly they're pain in the ass to kill with a recurve i don't have any issue with that but Let's rewind to my bear hunt. Same thing. Now, bears, in my opinion, are the hardest animal to photograph in the sense you can make a big one look small and a small one look big. And I put um, bears almost seven foot, the one I killed this year, and um, um, beyond the backcountry and uh, what's that, Russ Meyer. They chimed in or whatever. And, and I actually, Russ called me and he tried to claim innocence. It's like, look, beyond the backcountry is your protege, like that, whatever. But I'm like, look, dude, I, I said... Uh, the way that I measure these is nose to tail, not stretch. Tip with of the tail bowling. or base of tail? Uh, tip of tail, long okay. as you can go. Uh, and, and but this is good. And, and, and he and I talked about this. Uh, Zach and Zach okay. and I are friends. The way that I measure them, I don't do it on the ground. I do it scun out, not stretched, not shrunk, just laid just out, draped. just yep. draped, laid out, and that's how I get the length. Um, which on the paw is a significant deduction in length, probably eight. 10 inches or something, maybe, you know? I don't know I'm, how much, but yes, there yeah, is. It's, yes. It's a good it's a yeah. good bit. And I didn't I said, Zach, I'm not arguing with you. What I thought was funny is you went out of your way to talk about how much smaller that bear was when Why? that was a nineteen and five eighths bear. That that was big bear, dude. Yeah. I was like in and, and 
What was funny is Frank's bear, who was the fattest bear I've ever seen, was two or three inches shorter and scored three-eighths less than mine. But his his bear looked bigger than mine. And so someone posted, now that, Aaron, that is a big bear. And I'm like, okay. well, man, then mine's really big because <laughs> yeah. mine's bigger. But yeah. having said that, Frank's was the fattest bear I've ever seen. Frank and I don't care. There wasn't like we – but there is arguably – Especially if you're internet, you're, you're the internet police, and, and I get that way too. I mean, it's not like I don't hop on social media occasionally and be like, "Wow, what's going on?" I mean, the ATA show is a prime example. I'm watching you know, oh, yeah. celebrities on there, but informationally, I think what Zach brought up in the end was good. Is how are you measuring that, right? Because yeah, maybe this is where you're what you're talking about. At some point, if if people want to compare numbers, then I think we do. I think you know, people complain about Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett or whatever. And okay, whatever. But I think we do need a standard. We need to have the same benchmark. What well, you know, if are you when you're doing a bear, are you doing it carcass tip of nose to base of tail, tip of nose to tip of tail? Is it skinned out? And are you draping it nose to tip nose? Yeah. Did you Everybody's, stretch it with yeah. a bowling ball? But the yeah. thing, but the thing is, at that point, if you're going to Okay, I guess my point is uh, on a you're talking about a 7-foot bear. You're talking about arguing plus or minus a 3 or 4 inches. Just how much we're not talking about a 5-foot bear versus a 7-foot bear. I'm not taking I'm not killing a 5-foot bear and then just stretching that thing and I got to no. Does it really matter? That same hunt another guy Ryan um who who's a guide up there. He shot a bear and I said, "Oh, it looks like it's going to be about a 6-footer." Looking at it, I knew that bear was 5'6 five, to 5'7, five, so I knew skun out or skinned, it would be close to 6. And it the way that I figured out in my mind, I was on the money. We skun it out and it was like 5'11 and 3 quarters. Now, if a guy is going on the the internet smallest it possibly can be, which is on the paw, 100%, that's not a 6-foot bear. And so it brought up, okay, how are you measuring them? And I'm like, well, I do it the same way every time. So in in context, I've learned to to put it in context. The next time I shoot something, which I've learned with elk and deer and everything else, uh, you know, nose to tail, skinned out. This is what he was, and so I'm not sure necessarily if everybody needs to post the same number, but there has to be context exactly. of what they are just, posting. Just give but the context. I'm I'm the guy that doesn't really care either. Like, well, I, I, don't that's really not, get I mean, too... if you're not out there to try to give a number, you're just saying, "Hey, look what I killed," and and I'm happy of it, and here's a cool picture. Well, and 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 Robbie and I. Robbie was to the point, kind of like you, he was going off about guys, if you post this number, be expect to get blowback. I don't disagree with that. Because in the weightlifting world, if you post, you can bench 500, there better be a video. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, it, you can count plates. Well, for people that have stri- strive to hit that 200-inch bar- barker, or for I would say for weightlifting, 400 is a, a good benchmark. Um, you know, squatting is another number. And someone says they hit that and they did it, the guys that have been working for it, because we're humans, immediately have that emotional, you, you know, whatever you want to call it. it. It hits you and you're like, there's no way. And then they, they they chime in and then we eat our own. So bears, another one, like we talked about, you know. And the other thing, too, is um, like, like with the stick, and you and I talked about, I focused more on shooting older animals. Yep. Score isn't... I can't have it all with the stick, right? So I'm I'm focusing more for the most part on shooting older animals. Having said that, my second deer in, in uh, Alabama was not old, but the first one was. Um, and when you're focusing on 
uh, old size or whatever, because of uh, the internet, and this is again my opinion, I think people have a false perception of what is actually attainable in most areas, if that makes any sense. Like, I make fun of the Primos videos because they, yeah, they yeah. just come in. Um, I don't make fun of my watch to every one of them. But if you look at social media, it does kind of look easy sometimes, hunting. It oh, can yeah. look easy. And if I had a dollar for every person that emailed, I bet you get away more than me, I'm not looking for a 350 bull. I just want something that's, uh, you know, a good representation of the species. Well, I'm like, yeah, we, we all are an over-the-counter dude. Like, I'm glad you're not looking for a 350 and you're not looking to look like Arnold because neither one of those are probably yeah. going to happen. But because of the social media and everything else, it's difficult. What would you say the average bull shot in Colorado is? Oh, goodness gracious. You're lo- the average bull average bull in Colorado, I'll probably, uh, it's going to be a 4x4 four four to a f- uh, medium 5x5. Five five. Basically two the and score and a of bull. a good-sized mule deer. Yeah, probably right. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. you're looking at a two and a half, maybe a three and a half year old bull. I mean, heck, even when I drew my unit one tag, talking with a game, this is back in two thousand nine. I drew unit one, so I'm going up there thinking, all right, I want to, I want, you know, I'm looking for that three fifty for my elk for a three fifty benchmark. I've talked to the game warden. He's like, yeah, the average bull that we kill out of the northwest part of Colorado. So we're talking unit one, two, two hundred one, ten, okay, two sixty to two seventy bull. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this is like the, I mean, people are dumping 20 points. It's like, oh yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. The average bull taken up there is a heck of a lot smaller than what people think. Why? Because people see a number on the internet and if they have never actually held that in their hand, what they, if, if all they've ever seen, there's nothing wrong with this. This is just a statement. If you've been in an over-the-counter unit for your entire life, especially in a unit that has you know very low bull-to-cow ratio to where you're shoot where you're after a two and a half year old bull, the biggest bull you may have ever laid eyes on is a four by five or maybe a five by five. So the first really nice looking six by six that walks in front of you looks absolutely freaking huge. And so they're like that arrow's going. And I'll tell you that open or I guess well I. Yeah, opening day, the first day of, of my hunt, I was up there for almost a week before season, but the first day of season, I had a bull just cranking above camp. I got out in the dark, and he was just cruising the ridge above me. I kind of shadowed him, and this thing sounded awesome. I mean, awesome. And so, finally, here comes daylight. It's legal shooting light. I make a couple calls. This bull comes down. I mean, it was one of your most texts, but he, the, his voice was incredible. The call-in was absolutely incredible. And he comes down the mountain, and I mean, I'm looking at him. I'm, I'm thinking, I want to shoot this bull. And I had to stop him. Like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just pump the brakes <laughs> a minute. Let's take a look at He was maybe a 300-inch bull. But he which looked, is a good bull. It's an most awesome areas. bull. Yeah. It's an, I would shoot. I, well, I tell people on over the counter unit, I will shoot a two sixty bull every freaking year. I will lay him down. And, and in context, so people, if you go to, well, one of the units you're talking about, two two oh one ten, um, those units produce. Uh, one of the reasons they take a lot of draw is there is also a lot of action or potentially can be. Yes. Now this is coming from a guy that's only been up there a couple times, and there's specific other units where. Yeah, um, how am I trying to put this? What are you hunting for? So there's some ah. units you can put in and you'll get lots of action. But a 300-inch bull might be a big bull. The unit South was in this year is one of those, I mean, that bully killed's good. 
but that's kind of a 280 to 320 fest, right? It's over, 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 over. Oh, that'd be a fun hunt. And, and then you have other units where you're probably not going to get that much action, but you may get a bigger bull. There you um, go. And then you have other units that um, you have the potential for everything, depending upon, um, you know, I can't listen to any numbers because it's going to, you know, pretty soon everybody will draw sure, sure, for sure. But um, units you and I know of. Yep. Some of those units, they pull 370, 380 bulls out of there every year. On average, guaranteed, you're going to shoot, if you work at it, you're going to shoot something in the 3, 320 range. Um, and guaranteed almost every day, you can shoot a raghorn or, or at least get into a raghorn. To me, that's a good hunt. Oh, right? It's an awesome hunt. And so... When you talk about, and you and I've talked about that with Jay Scott, you and you and yep. Jay are buddies. There is a difference between the guy, and there's nothing wrong with any of these. You've got the guy in Montana hunting a private ranch. He should shoot a big bull. I say he should, right? But he has the opportunity if he wants to to take a really good bull with no pressure, right? There's less pressure, especially on private land, right? Okay, and then you have the guy, the OTC dude, who should shoot anything Gen- coming out of state, and you're not a this isn't for seasoned hunters. If you're a seasoned hunter and you're listening to this, it's just to talk shit or to laugh. If you're coming out west, you've never been or you've, you know, I talked to a lot of guys five, six years. In my opinion, bull or cow, just shoot something to bring home meat so your wife doesn't leave you. And then once you've shot a couple, start bridging it up, per se, you know. But if you draw, you know, net, what is it, 16A? What's the New Mexico unit, a good one? I can't remember. Oh, don't ask me on New um, Mexico. I'm out of the loop on what's that. What's another Arizona? What's an Arizona tag? Oh, unit 9, unit 10, Arizona 10. 23. So those we were premier talking units. about Jay and you getting frustrated watching a guy draw and he shoots a three-something. 310, Cur- yeah. 320. I, now, I will say— And I'll well, qualify that when you get done. Keep yeah, going. Well, and I I agree with you to a, some extent. One of the things— Maybe those he people, did it on opening day. Well, and it's not just that. They need a U to hold their bow um, because they've probably never seen one of those bulls. They get caught. Yeah. Now, I bet that guy had a great hunt. Oh, I, he, did. he probably has yeah. no— But for you guys, you're like, that's the tag of the world, but you have the experience level, and he doesn't. And if he did have it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And that's where it's kind of— Well, and and it's a perfect little example because you didn't hear what I talked about last night or the seminar I'm doing now. I can't go into all the—I won't go into all the details, but that is part of my my set. What what are you looking for? What what is your goal in your hunt? Are you looking for experience? Are you looking for numbers? What are you looking for—what are you looking for? And so— you know, what you heard Jay and I talk about, I've got one better, and that's from my hunter this year. Um, my hunter this year in Arizona, he shot, I'm, I'm guessing, a 270 bull in Unit 9, Arizona. It was an awesome hunt. It was an, He was absolutely ecstatic about it. It was a great deal. Yes, did, you know, did we want to find a, a bigger bull? Yes, we did. But his goal for the hunt, well, here we are in, in Unit 9, Arizona. We've got one of the worst drought years. All of, I mean, we've got between uh, the folks I was working with and the friends down, you know, the other outfitters that I'm friends with out there, you have probably most comprehensive game camera surveys on the map. And they can, I mean, literally, you can look at bulls from year to year to year. You know that's the same bull. We were at least 30 inches down on antler quality. So, you know, people are saying, well, I want a 350, 360, 380 bull. Okay, well, that's going to be a 330 bull this year. You know, and so when we went into the hunt, Obviously, and that's the thing, you know. People, I, I, you know, what kind of what kind of bull are you looking for? Oh, I want a big. Of course, you want a big bull. Now let's be realistic. Everybody wants to shoot a big bull. So when Gary uh, 
we sat and talked in camp. He's like, you know what? This is this is kind of yeah. I'd love to shoot a giant. I want to try to shoot a giant. I want to try to shoot a good bull, but I want to have a fun hunt. I want to see a really good call. In. He was just excited to be able to hunt with me. So he was like, I just want a really good call in. I really want to just experience this. I want to see it from your eyes. And I want to get you know video and about dude every. I mean, check every box. That that hunt was incredible. It was a younger age class bull. There's nothing wrong with that. When Jay and I were talking, it was it was a guy that we knew that had the tag. He was been there all summer. I mean, he was just I mean working that, working that, working that. And then, like you said, probably open in the morning, the first really good bull that showed up walked in front of him. He stuck it, and you're it, what Jay and I were talking about is, man, you had two weeks, yeah. and you know now now your hunt's done. You know what I mean? What what could have been? You know, let's take it to Alberta for me this year. Um, because the same scenario, I paid for two weeks. I paid Lander and he owed me some favors to hunt two weeks. My hunt started the day before the two weeks started because guys went home uh, early, right? And I shot a, a, a good buck. First buck we spotted. And I was like, it's old and I can kill it. Done. Yeah, I'm going to go kill it. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, you already checked yeah. your boxes. Yeah. And so for, and it was an epic stock. And it, but, it is hard for Lander to swallow that because he's up there. And I, I, I don't think I would have shot an older buck. I, I mean, it would have been dead if it was older, but I could have shot a bigger buck. Um, in fact, knowing now what now keep in mind, Frank and Matt took up the whole time, the rest of the time still never killed anything. Um, but I definitely could have shot a bigger buck without a doubt in my mind. I would have had a 200 inch deer on the wall without a doubt. And I say that knowing I filmed Frank on several. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, and on stocks that uh, with three guys, we got to 40 in shoes. Oh yeah. Okay, you so, should have. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and now Lander asked me, do you regret it? And I'm like, never, not once. I wouldn't change anything. I'm like, dude, I shot one of the oldest deer you've ever seen at 16 yards with a stick. No, I don't. I don't regret it. I don't, yeah. But I'm not a guy that's. I, I'm not a guy that ever looks back. There's one animal empire my entire life that was a bull that I shot that probably had a 24 inch main beam. But the moment the arrow hit it, I was like, that that just not was not very smart. I should not have shot that that elk. Now, having said that, I say regret. It did taste really good. But, yeah. But I, 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 for me, when you have those boxes to check, and I think you brought up saying that when you go on a hunt. And you have, uh, let's say, five boxes you want to check. If you're checking four of those, you may want to start shooting, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're get, and that what I run into a lot is a guy will say, because to me, part of the on a backpack hunt, the pack out is as much of the story or as important of the story of the ass whooping you get from that is everything else, right? So if you tell the story of we saw some elk and whatever, but we didn't see anything big enough. You're missing a a big block from me and what I like, a big block of that story of your feet falling off and your ass getting rashes and blisters on, on your feet. You're missing that. But, I mean, being realistic, some people's, like you, I know you, you, you like to shoot older age class animals. I, I won't say trophy hunter because a trophy is different. I mean, some people, a, tro sure, a doe yeah, 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 is a trophy. Yeah. You're looking for an older age class animal, four or five years old or older. Yeah. But for me, where I, especially with the stick, but for me, here's one, you know, I want adventure, which on any backpack hunt is important if we go on one. 
I want either an incredible stock or I want an incredible calling. This is for elk. Yeah. And if you're hunting early in the season, they're on their summer feeding patterns, not always, but usually they're still up high. You can catch them and you can get a good stock in. You're not going to get them bedded very often, but but a good call-in. So on that good call-in, to me, a good call-in is when that bull, you watch it come in the whole way and he's bobbing his head down and he's weaving and he comes in, he'll bugle. That's important. And I don't know how many, you've killed a pile of elk. When the bull comes into 30 and the caller, let's say cow calls and that bull screams and you're at 20, I would say if your box to check was 320, it probably went to one or to 290 right there yeah. when that happened. And that's because I've had guys that are good trophy hunters, good, that oh, have yeah. shot animals and they're like, dude, I couldn't not. It was the yeah. most picture perfect thing I've ever seen. And he turned broadside and I, I couldn't not shoot, not, not. I would, I would not have that memory. Yes, you can say, oh, it was whatever, and I'll have that in my memory the rest of your life. I couldn't not do it because of that. You know, do you agree with some of that? It's kind of like saying it has 20 inches to have it on film. And that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> it, you know, I think the whole circle around the context of this conversation is, you know, we started off with the Internet stuff. The more hunters I take, the more... You know, when I went down to Arizona the first, the very, very first year with Jay, and, and he showed me what, and that was back at the end of the glory days of, of Unit 9 when, I mean, just, yeah, yeah there's 400-inch bulls running around here. I did get caught up into, okay, I'm in Unit 9, and you should be really looking at this upper echelon of bull. And I got caught up in that real quick, but it was real quick because the longer I'm, the longer I be, keep doing this and I run hunts out in Kansas... The more hunters I take, the more hunters I guide, the more hunters I'm with. I I will tell everybody, whether you're in Unit 9, Arizona, Unit 1, 2, 201, Colorado, whether you're out with me, I don't care what you shoot. This is your hunt. What experience do you want? What is what your what is the boxes that you want to check? And if as long as you check those boxes, I will shake your hand. I tell my guys out in Kansas, I will shake your hand just as hard if you shoot a little two by two as if you shoot a two oh two. I want you to be happy. And when you see people, and I think that's where we really as hunters need to stop eating our own because now, and I'm going to qualify this in a second. If you see someone posting pictures on social media about, you know, the animals that they were able to harvest or whatever, if it's like your picture with your mule deer where you're sitting back and, and you're just taking an artistic photo, if it's just a good photo and someone's saying, hey, I achieved my goals for this hunt and this is what I got. Awesome. Just keep your mouth shut if you can't just say, dude, right on. Congratulations. Well done. Now. If that person, however, because I've had, and you've been with these people and I've seen them too, where they shoot the animal, they get caught up in the moment, and then they immediately start making excuses. Yeah, oh, I hate well, that. You know, that, you know, they shoot a two and a half year old buck and they're like, oh, well, you know, he's just an old buck going downhill. Yeah. Boom, show me the teeth. <laughs> yeah. Show me the teeth. Now, if you're going to be, if you're going to have buyer's remorse on sending an arrow or pulling the trigger and putting it on the ground, Okay, we've all been there. We've all done that. I've done that. That's fine. Don't take it away from the animal. The only time I will, will I will kind of criticize someone is if that's what they do. If they try to make it into something that it's not, just to try to stay uh, uh, an internet hero 
and they they cheapen what the animal is or the experience was or or they're, they're trying to portray it as something it's not. Be proud of the—I don't care what your boxes are. We all are hunting in a different scenario. We're all at a different stage in our hunting careers. We all have different value sets. So just be happy for each other. Pat each other on the back. Say, congratulations. Go do that again. Yeah, no, and and it kind of—and I'm only bringing me into this equation because it fits. One of the reasons you, Robbie, Lander, will Alex, will give me shit is I have— the time on my it. hand, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have the time on my hand, the shooting ability, uh, the physical ability, and I'm still not the greatest trophy hunter in the world. Now, I have pulled off some big animals from time to time, but being honest, if there was a smaller class animal in that spot, I probably still would have shot it. It just happened. To, that's one of the reasons I think I'm better with a stick is I it's, have to yeah, wait. Yeah. I've, I've got to wait. I mean, I can't drop it at 80, right? I've got to wait longer and other animals will pop up. Or if I've got three animals bedded um, and, you know, I have the compound, right? Uh, For example, all over the course of the mountain, one of those I can walk in on and shoot easy. With a stick, all of them are difficult. And so the longer you wait, it's a lot of times the stalking situation it it, it it may be equal across the board, and so you might as well go after a, a different one, let's say, and that probably doesn't make the best sense. But, you know, and so I deserve these guys giving me crap, and it's all in good fun because, you know, Alex talks about it all the time. He's like, dude, how do you not wait? And I'm like, I just am not capable. And, you know, people yeah. say, oh, you haven't shot enough. I'm like, no, you've shot really? too much. Yeah, <laughs> I probably <laughs> shot too it's much. It's getting worse, right? And Lander's the same way. He's like, dude, I... I well, I shot the wrong buck in 17, right? I, 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 uh, now I didn't care, right? I mean, yeah. when I say the and, wrong buck, they were both bedded in cattails. I could see the body, horns. Yeah, it sounds unethical, I guess, but I wasn't 100% sure which horns were attached to which body, but I knew I could kill it, so I shot it, and it ran out, and I'm like, huh. Wrong one. That's like 30 inches smaller than that other one. Huh. And, oh, the, and that then he, cool. that he, that he topples, topples over, and you're like, well, there's my tag. Oh, yeah. Well, and I was, you know, it's 160-something buck. I mean, it wasn't which a is, bad buck. Which but is not bad at it, all. It wasn't the 190 that was attached to the other horns on the body. But Lander was like, this, this is why I like hunting with you. You're you're always happy. He was sad. Yeah. He was sad as shit. And, and but, see, but... <laughs> that's the thing. And that is the thing. And I've really started, and this is just for my personal growth, and, and Jay and I have talked about it. Just Go ahead. Real quick, though, the, 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 the thing I want people to understand from that is I went on a 2,000-yard stock of bare stubble into cattails that were like 100 yards wide and 200 long on the most impossible stock in the world. And did something nobody's ever done there. No one's ever killed a buck in those cattails. And I did it. And so for me, yes, I shot a smaller buck, but again, checking the boxes. Yeah. When I'm standing at the edge of those cattails, it didn't like, there wasn't like some moral debate I had of should I shoot this? I was trying to figure out a hole to put the arrow through. And that's why I was telling Lander, I'm like, dude, has anyone ever done this? He's like, no. I was like, has anybody ever come close to doing what I just did? And it wasn't a bragging thing. And he's like, no. I'm like, well, imagine how fucking I feel. Yeah, exactly. I just did it. You just got in there. And yeah. now what are you going to do? Oh, I, I don't have I'm, Let me just go ahead and back out right now. And yet, <laughs> no, there is yeah. no backing out. Now, if it was a 140, I, I wouldn't have shot. I will sure. say, you know, you're in Alberta, right? Sure, sure. But 160, what, I mean, it was, I mean, and I, truthfully, when I shot, 
I thought it was attached to the bigger buck, but having said that, I didn't care. And you he probably I mean? had a, a, a probably a, a similar body size. I mean, he was a yeah, decent. Yeah, they're all three hundred fifty yeah. pounds up yeah, there. Exactly. They're giant. So, all right, go ahead. Now. Sorry. No, I, it just you know, it, it, let me. I guess I'll put it even in personally with my. You know, if you know when I was giving you crap back in the day about shooting all those stinking little bulls. I mean, you'd be you'd send me pictures. I have a pile of them. Yes, yeah. you'd send me pictures of you know a three eighty bull or a three sixty bull. Multiple. Or, yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, that is on the hit list. Go get it. And then you you know open in morning, you'd be like, yeah, I got a four by five. You'd be like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? But, that was probably six years in a row. Yes, that was the and see the, that's where some of us are coming like God. But but here's the tr- here's the truth of it. The truth of it is that's us, me, uh, let me just put me, that's me putting my value set onto you in your hunt. Partially, if I was to be brutally honest, because I'm jealous, because I know, God, freaking A, if I was in where Aaron was hunting and I had the physical ability to get where Aaron was and I was in the situation where these animals were, then I would do such. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm not there, and I'm not, and that's not my hunt. That's not my. I think we find I have bec- I have found a hell of a lot more peace in my life by by just taking two steps back and just pausing a minute and going. Let me put myself in their shoes. What went on in their mind? Let's see. And as soon as I do that, I can for two seconds go, wow. He was in an awesome place. He had an awesome experience. There was bulls screaming around him. It was all chaos, and he loves to fling arrows, and he could kill it, and he could put meat in the freezer, and it was done. And the other problem is, when I say problem, um, my wife's in the studio. Would you say we eat probably 400 pounds a year? We probably eat 400 pounds of wild game a year, and that's no bullshit. Yeah. Okay, so mule deer, one of the reasons I've shot more bigger mule deer is they're smaller and I don't care as much. I care more about mule deer than I do elk at this point. But meaning, even a four by five is pretty big, right? And so the la- the one bull I shot that I will say I I should have one hundred. I was in a good unit and what we called these bulls multiple bulls screaming and five raghorns came down and were feeding. And I stopped calling and I, I looked at my buddy and I said, you know, if I can stock into those to 20, I'm probably going to shoot one. It's like um, probably never going to happen. And lo and behold, next thing you know, I'm at 18 yards from all of them. And I'm like, well, fuck, that one's the biggest. And I shot it. And I, you want to talk about upgrade, right? Like problems. Oh, that yeah. That bull hits the ground. I mean, and this is going along the lines with Chris, the bull we were after, uh, which I sent you photos of, which I don't know if you remember that big one that was bedded down it i mean he's he, he they killed him he's 389 um killed him in gun season that bull because we were camped down below when we're cleaning that other bull that bull was by my tent bugling for an hour while we were cleaning up the other bull very killable so you know and it, now again i don't wouldn't take i'm the wrong guy to ask most people would regret that that was a hell of a trip i mean it was an amazing trip but we're sitting there, and I'm looking down the hill. This bull screaming, headlamps on, meaning he's dumb, right? Like you oh, know, yeah. when they hit, you, oh yeah, when when he's they, an easy elk. When you get to that level, you can hit him with a car, right? They're dumb, dumb. He's screaming. We have headlamps on. He doesn't give a shit. We're only 400 yards from him. You know what I mean? And we're and he's screaming away. And uh, when they're that dumb, and I killed that thing, I think on the seventh. And the dumbest elk I've found is between the seventh and twelfth in good units. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when I say dumbest. They're not cowed up yet. They're looking for cows, but they I don't 
and you're the biologist, it seems they don't know what's happening to their body that initial first few days when the rut really hits and the testosterone hits the balls, which probably isn't scientifically correct, and they're just stupid, and they beat up everything. And I don't know how many different bulls you'll just see watching them just beat the hell out of willows for no apparent reason for 20, 30 minutes. Very killable. That's what that bull did. He was in that willow like like moose willows and was just tearing them up. You could have walked down and stabbed him. And I did sit there and think like, hmm, yeah, this probably wasn't the brightest idea in the world. I wasn't sad about it, but what would happen if I waited 10 minutes, right? That bull came back right after. So, But again, too, for me, I go on so many hunts. There's also that in my mind, and this is stuff for people to think about. I want to get to the next adventure, and that's another big problem with me is I'm already thinking about the next adventure when the first adventure is going on. And so if I've slowed down on adventures a bit, because we went straight into a mountain goat hunt after that. And so, yeah, but, it, it you know, I I think people really need to. Th- I like some of parts of social media, some. Right. But I also think some of social media is like going to be the end of hunting in some ways. When I say the end of hunting, it's not good for hunting. Yeah. It's, well, it's just not even good for society. I don't think, I mean, no. I don't, you know, we, you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast with Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. yeah did yeah. you listen? Yep. That was awesome. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. incredible. What, why did, how, where'd you start hunting? Upstate New York. And how old were you? Ooh, I was a kid. Born, I just, right. You, Basically. But, well, no, I, yeah. Well, I probably was eight, nine. Yeah. I probably seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that right? Did just, you shoot squirrels and shit? Yeah. And, yeah okay. Oh yeah. We'd go bust squirrel nests with the a shotgun. Age. How old are you? 47 next week. So you got to be by five. Um, but the same Democrat, no cell phones, right? Very, very little <laughs> no, TV. Um, no, yeah. And so as a kid, we had box traps, learned to trap bobcats, run around with squirrels, eat the Red Rider BB guns, fished. We didn't have Xbox, right? Like Xbox was a fishing pool. We ran down to the lake and... Dude, Atari came with Pong. Yeah. And I mean, that- <laughs> we were talking about that was Frogger, Pong, uh, Donkey Kong, Oregon Trail uh, on, on in You've school. died of dysentery. Dysentery. Yes. You've died of dysentery. What was that? Scarlet fever? And fucking everybody died? Yeah, exactly. And so that. You and know, even then, I wasn't doing that. I was that geek that I used to give up. I, I, my parents, literally one year or one day, gave me, I think they gave me 20 bucks. And they forbade me from going fishing. I would literally, because I took the bus to school, and the bus would go over the local trout stream. Okay, I was a five-minute walk from our trout stream. I was that geek that just lived with a fly rod in my hand. So I would, before school and after school, I'd fly fish. And so literally, my parents took the fly rod, gave me $20, and said, you are going to call one of your friends. You're going <laughs> to order pizza or whatever. You're going to do something with someone. Yeah. And then they went out and did their thing. I stayed home and I didn't do anything because I just tied flies. <laughs> well, same thing. I didn't tie flies, but I, where I'm from is an eight mile long lake with five major rivers flowing into it with, I'm from by the Jefferson wilderness, right? When I was 13, 14, I worked on a trail crew team in the summer. Well, all we did was carry yeah. cross cuts. So, so people ask me, how did I get into the industry? My only priority was to not have a job that I had to work indoors. I just wanted to be outside, whether it be a guide or whatever, where I do now. And you know, why don't I go to shows? I don't particularly like people. I mean, when I say that, I like the woods better. Okay. I like, I, you know, I, I don't hate everyone. Please don't send me hate mail. 
if I have a choice between going to the ATA show or shooting with Amy at oh, a 3D yeah, course, done deal. I, well, we're not there, right? Okay, so if I have a choice between going to a total archery challenge or sitting behind a spotter looking at sheep, there isn't a choice, right? But that's the way I was raised. I wasn't raised for social gatherings. I wasn't raised to go, uh, you know, bedazzle jeans the shit out of it and take selfies. I was raised in the woods, and that's what turns my crank. There's nothing wrong with all that other stuff. But when you start getting into the hunting aspect and, you know, really, I hate to say disrespecting the animal, <clears throat> the <clears throat> Jesus, I'm not getting choked up, people. I'm, I'm just <clears throat> a little You sick. should see the little um, crocodile tear coming out right <laughs> when now. When you talk about disrespecting, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> disrespecting the animal, I've been on two hunts where the tape measure came out before I think the animal expired. That oh, is disrespecting yeah, the animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm being that, way more candid than I should, but that is the way it's gone in some ways, right? And no, for, I've been there. I, yeah, no, I've yeah. been there, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been on hunts where exactly the animal hit the ground and all of a sudden there's head, there's antlers are coming up or heads are coming up and pictures, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How about we go ahead and fill out our tag? Yeah, no Let, shit. How about we tag this animal and let's let's get this thing gutted or or whatever. Let's get this. I want to get you good pictures. Absolutely, we need to get good pictures. But how about we go through the actual process yeah. of, you know, <laughs> yeah. we 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 took an animal. Let's get the tag filled. Let's awesome. Okay, yeah, no, dude, I'm with you. I'm well, with you. And and so I talk to to people all the time about you know wanting to get into the industry, whatever, and I'm like. Do you want to get into the industry or do you want to get into the outdoors? Because I can get you in the outdoors. I can yeah, get you. And that's two. To, and, yeah. And that's a huge difference because how many people in industry right now couldn't find their way across the fucking street with two Sherpa guides, but I have 100,000 followers? How many? I mean, multiple oh, yeah. examples for, you know, not everybody's going to, I can't skin out a face for shit, right? I just can't do it. It's not my thing. I carry the head out. So, but you talk about, Field craft, whatever, right? Okay, and and obviously you've got your, you know, you you're good at what you do. You and I can go probably anywhere in the world, and and I'm not. This is not a bragging thing. This is just because of the experience we have, we're going to be okay, right? We're yeah. going to be able to assess yeah. the situation and figure it out and perform and and perform and do all right. And that goes with a lot of different guys. Tyler Friel's another guy that's a good example. Tyler can go anywhere and do anything he wants, and and a lot of other guys. Frank's the same way, and Frank's in that shitty demographical age. But he's still a stud, right? And I just say the age group, Frank can get it done wherever he goes. He'll figure it out. Except Alberta. I don't know what happened, Frank. If you're listening, which I know you won't. Something with the prairie. Laura Ingalls walked by. He got all fucked up. But you get to those type of people, I think, are choosing to be in the, you know, quote unquote, industry to be in the outdoors. They're not getting in out of the outdoors to be in the limelight, if that makes sense. So... How many people can you name off of right now that are in the outdoors to get into the limelight where it should be the other way around? The lime, limelight is secondary. You got in the outdoors, well, you did be. your thing. Well, and I want people to think about that. Like she was laughing at me. She is an Amy. We're, what was that? Fred Bear Field Notes? Dude, they're cool. Like, this is how fucking lazy I am, right? I listen to them. Um, but <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> so I was building notes last night. Well, and I'm thinking. If you would have rewound me into my younger days, I probably wouldn't have cared as much, you know. And I'm thinking, man, I should have written down some of my stories. Like, because he's like, rain today, all day, 13 days in a row, whatever, basic stuff, right? Uh, Saw two goats when whatever broke, we're going to go after them tomorrow. 
you know, that's all he's reading, right? It's not this epic, you know, gone on the wind, but it's like, yeah, I've been there, you know. Well, I, I'll talk to guys and I can tell immediately in the conversation, this dude's a killer. He's he's in it for to win it for for the outdoors. He wants animals on the ground. He he field craft, he's got it all, and he's doing it comparable to the next phone call I get is uh, about the industry, about social media, about gaining followers, about things like that. And it's like, well, man, why are you really here? Like, are you here for hunting or are you here for, for likes? Right. And I can guarantee if you're good enough at one hunting, the other one's going to come. I'm a prime example. When Amy met me, I don't think I had a computer. I, I barely had a phone 10 years ago. I don't Was know that about that. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I, I'll, let me just say that. I don't know if I agree with that hmm. because there's some pretty incredible I, well, there's one guy that oh, I know, that mule deer guy, that he's got more 200-inch deer on his wall that no one even knows him. No, I no, think, I'm, I'm saying if you're in the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work, okay, if, you yeah. put, if you've inserted yourself. Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree yeah, wholeheartedly. Yeah. If you have consciously well, if you, inserted yourself it, into that world and you have the goods to back it up, oh, you it would the goods will carry you into that field. You it, look at the Lancasters. Yeah. Clay Lancaster should have 7.5 million followers. Yeah, yeah. I think he's got like... 7.5. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, and I say that, and I use Clay because we're friends. There isn't a whole lot Clay hasn't done. Okay. I, I mean, from, and Clay's, uh, well, for example, Clay, they wrecked a Hind 17 in Russia. 17 people died. He walked out with sideball popped out and uh, stories that you just don't hear. Think about that if that happened to some of these fucking chuckleheads nowadays. It would be on every cover of every magazine. I almost lost my, this oh, epic yeah. oh, whatever yeah. where Clay's like, yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. We had too much fuel in there and right inside of the mountain. He's like, uh, I got back out. You know, he's telling me the story. I got on a snowmobile, went back and saved some guys, but I, I was just done. He's like, I was giving her. I was done. I finally had to stop. And and that was it, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with typing a story out, but- you get these guys that make it. Well, I'll bring them both up. Tyler Freel and Brian Call went at it the other day. Brian was talking about grizzlies coming in or brown bears when they were skinning, and Tyler's like, "Yeah, don't make it something it's not. Like, don't." And I'm not saying Brian was trying to make it more than it's not, or Tyler was out of place. But for uh, you know, example, Frank almost died of hypoxia. How, you wouldn't know that unless I talked about it because it's kind of cool that he didn't die, but yeah. he didn't hit the fucking button because he's worried I'd make fun of him. He didn't yeah. hit the search yeah. and rescue button. Frank could have told some epic story of whatever and made him sound, and he didn't because of how Frank is. He's just like, yeah, it kind of kind of sucked, and I figured I'd go until I was about to die and I'd hit the button and I made it to the truck. That was the end. Frank wouldn't, and I'm like, cool story, Frank, but he doesn't, you know, that's just not how he is. Well, but if you look at, if you look at people, I mean, that's the problem is there's so many different value sets and there's just so many different places where people are in their lives. Cause I think part of what the problem with social media is the fact that there is a desire for a lot of people to be someone I mean, they, they want to try to, I don't know, leave their mark or, or accomplish something stand every, we all want to stand out. I mean, there used to be, t- I mean, I don't know, you say back in the day, I'm not that freaking old, but, you know, a lot of people did it with their job. They did it with whatever, you know, skills they had, whether, you know, crafts they did, whatever they, whatever they did, they had, they had something that helped them stand out. And now there's just so many people and social media puts so many people in your face. Back when we were growing up without social media and without the phones and everything else, 
You could not compare yourself to someone who lived across the country. You couldn't compare yourself to somebody who lived in um, Oregon, Washington, California, wherever, that they're doing all this epic shit that you can see. That you, You're watching their highlight reel, and now what you end up having is, is this entire generation that is trying to compare themselves with people they don't even know that they, they, their lives don't even cross. So... That's where I think the social media is hurting us a little bit is because everybody's trying to be someone comparing themselves to another facade and another online persona that, again, you're only going to see the the highlight reel. You don't see what's going on behind it. Um, I, you know, out where I'm at, we've got some outfitters nearby that, that you know, next door to us, they just dump corn piles over us. And I'm, and I'm watching some of these celebrities come. What's wrong come with and, that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, there's, it, it, no, I'm glad you said yeah. There's nothing. But when you, when you dump a corn pile right over our fence line to, to bait deer off of our property, that's another set. But then when I sit there and I watch the celebrities that are coming in and doing their hunts and I sit and listen to what they're saying, I know that you, and you and I've talked about this all the time. There's a lot of guys out there on social media that we see that are prominent people. You see the story that they tell on social media. You see the image that they portray and you see this, this world that they build. And then you and I go, I know the back. No, yeah. <laughs> that, I know the backstory. That's not what happened. You didn't kill that deer with such a, you weren't in, no, that's not why you, I know the truth behind that. That's a complete fraud. I'll give you a prime example. I won't mention names. Guy shot a mule deer this year. Okay. So then I find out he missed two before that. One was through the brush, bad shot at 30, missed another one, killed the one he killed at 90 with a bow, missed a moose at 90 shortly after that. So what's that tell you? It was probably poking a hope because if, yeah, yeah. if you hit a mule deer and you miss a moose, you're probably not accurate at 90. Um, and then I hear the story and I'm like, huh, that's not what I, you know, the story I got from the outfitters is a little bit different than that. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, you know, we'll get bashed on this for having a social media, rant, but whatever. Um, I get bashed for telling, so does Frank's at times, because we tell ex- pretty much, I guess, exactly what happened. Like, I would have much rather said I was holding out for that deer rather than I got my ass kicked oh, for 13 days. Most people days. would have said, oh, no, no, we were up in the mountain and we saw these deer and, oh, yeah, there's this 170 and 180-inch buck. But, you know, he was he was really only about a four- or five-year-old. He's in his prime, but yet he's with an eight-year-old deer. So what we did, we shifted our, you know, I went after the old, but oh, bullshit. And it was funny because we watched, you watched it for the first time. We had YouTube on TV or whatever. I didn't even oh, yeah, yeah. do that shit till the other day. So That's all I watched. We, yeah. We watched... <laughs> I look like a fucking refugee in my tent, and I'm like, well, I missed another one today, and I'm, you can tell I'm smoked, right? And I'm eating that, what was I eating that oatmeal from uh, off-grid, right? And I'm just, I've like, there's two packs. I'm trying to consume food because- Calories. You know, I need calories. Too just give me calories. We need to carry the camera around, but- You've been in the high country. When you're going on one, two, three stocks a day, you're pumping four to 6,000 vertical feet gain and loss a day. And uh, with that stick, there's sometimes you'll commit 90% and you got to come out because or, or push a bad situation that's a 0% chance. So a lot of the stocks I'm coming out and I'm, I'm going back and I'm like, okay. And so like day nine, you can tell I'm fucking done. Like, I mean, not done mentally. Like I was, I mean, I was staying, but I mean, you can tell I'm, I'm a hurting unit and I'm like, uh, it's day nine and. It's pretty good weather, and you can tell I'm trying to stay motivated. And, and then finally, 
you know, you're like, I'm like, well, we we got to come out. Uh, my hands were swollen from that stupid fucking cow parsnip of all things. And and uh, we come back in, we shoot that deer. Now, I wanted people to hear what actually happened because, one, everyone gets their ass kicked. And most of the time, I've been pretty lucky. It does happen. I go in the woods, I shoot when I come out. And even my mom's messaging me, what's going on? I'm like, what do you, what do you mean going on? Traditional archery's going on, mom. This sucks. <laughs> it's hard. And... Uh, so people knew like, hey, and I got, well, not thousands, hundreds of messages of man that carried me through my hunt. Like that, hearing what you had to say, and, and that is what's important to me that shit happens, right? And, and where you get guys that are like, oh, I showed up and shot at whatever, and that doesn't hardly, well, on private land it happens. When I say good private land, it happens a little more. Take Oklahoma. I'm not some magical whitetail hunter. Broderick's got a kick-ass piece of land. Yeah, he's right? got a highly managed. Forget, how many acres is it? Like ten thousand. Eight thousand on the, on the yeah, spot we were. Highly on. managed, eight thousand acres. At, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- this is where your words should come back and bite you the ass. You better damn well be yeah, able to kill something. Oh yeah, and I mean on that, huh, and I'm very respectful of when I talk about me blacking out. Is five and a half or older. Yeah. I mean, that. now he let me cut me a little slack on the second go-round where to shoot my second deer. When I say cut me slack, we went on a different property, didn't yeah. have the rules yeah. the one had. Yeah. Um, it, but, again, when we're in Alabama, he's four and a half year older and he wants a four eight-point kill. Um, okay. I yeah. would like to black out and shoot everything, but I want him, one, to keep inviting me back down. Um, and then You were two, there for, yeah, you're there to have a hunt and have an, an enjoyable hunt, but- on his, from his perspective, you're kind of there for a job. QDMA, too, yeah, right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're there to help him do right. what he when needs to do. we're whacking those yeah. does as much as I love, what was our tax? What was that bill? 1500 Yeah, we, we had a lot of processing going on. Well, I got sucked in at the fucking processor, and they had these jalapeno-wrapped <laughs> bacon deals. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only twenty seven fifty a pound. Do it all. Grind them all. We, I did... Uh, he said at first it'd be like three hundred and something, and I'm like, this redneck can't do math. Um, but it was twenty four per tray, and they're how they're poppers, right? Wrapped oh in bacon, gosh. and I was like, oh, I'll take ten of those. And then I'm like, I thought about it, and I'm using fingers and toes, and I'm like, you know, I'll take twenty, <laughs> twenty of those. And the next thing you know, he called. He's like, it's fifteen sixty seven, but. For most people, that is a steep, you know, processing bill. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but had, how many deer did you have in there? I don't know, 14 or something. I was going to say, I thought it like 8 or 10 or something. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I shot a couple 45-pound does. Um, They were small. But uh, they, it's the kind of thing where for us, since we don't buy meat or whatever, it really, if we paid for that much, it'd be more to buy, you know, normally. So, but, you know, the thing is, is, is talking about like the experience or whatever, that is the funnest hunt I go on, Alabama, right? Like people would never imagine that. When I say fun... I'm not saying that's the hunt I would choose, but I will say that is the hunt I have the most fun on. One, it's a target-rich environment. All right, you know you're going to shoot something. Broderick is hilarious, right? It's something I don't get to do a lot. I don't get to tree stand hunt a lot, uh, so it's a lot of different variables. Um, and just go—it's a different culture. Okay, you go to Denver, where we're at. Not everybody's an asshole, but most, right? Most aren't from Denver. They're from California or Texas or pick a state. Not that there's anything wrong. Well, there is something wrong with Texas or Colorado. Texas is cool. Uh, or excuse me, there's something wrong with California, but Texas is cool. Um, you go down there, 
you're going to see the same guy sitting in the same chair from probably 20 years ago at the processing place. Like they knew his first. Oh yeah. Oh, it's He's the Colorado boys, yeah. right? They knew right yeah. when we pulled up, and we sat there. That it's where you know what I can't say it's where at because then everybody will know where we're at because there's some famous people that go there, and it's just uh, a low key. Like you can't. Well, Ronald, the guy, right? The the, the, the shoot them does guy. Man, his wife's the same way. I I shot that or Broderick shot that one big buck, and she like, oh yeah, shooty does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because that's the so currency. Many. Yeah, that's the yeah. currency. I don't care about a buck. Anybody can shoot a buck. Everybody wants to shoot a buck. Those are easy. Where's the does? Oh, they love us because like I shot that forty-five pound and. It was a good shot on a small target, but I'm like, that's randomizing your harvest. That's good. Well, and they he, they don't care as long as it's female. They that's want right. And uh, you're taking it, mouths off the table. It's on the buggy, right? We pull back and we got stuck. Ronald had to pull us out. Ronald's like, I pull it up. He's like, you know, if you make a mistake, I understand. Just get rid of them does. And Brian's like, don't tell him that, Ron. And because he's, you do not want to shoot a button buck, right? We've all done it once. Oh yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. And it, because that button buck could be a 150 buck, right? So uh, how many, well, let me take a step back. How many acres are they dealing with? Uh, 44,000, I think, something like that, 4,000, which is big in Alabama. Um, yeah, because that's the thing is, it, what is, it, sorry, a little, little aside, because I had this discussion with a couple of our hunters this year too. Um, you know, yes, we try not to harvest button bucks. However, if you think about it, that button buck next year, yeah. is going to get bumped out of here. He's not going to stay in this home range. So the button buck that I'm growing on my property yeah. is my neighbor's buck five years from now. He's not going to be here. So for us, I'm like, mm, I don't really care if you shoot a button buck because yeah. it doesn't do me any good. He's going to disperse off of my property anybody. Yeah, anyway, no, no but, kidding. But, you, the, but yes, I'm with you. Well, no, and I mean, one, two, I think they take account of to, there is some mistakes. As well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The I watched that thing come in. I got the binoculars out, and I'm like, this thing's so small. I... It might not have buttons, right? It, and it, I look, and, I, and I'm like, all right, it's it's a doe. I'm going to shoot it. So Ronald's like, that's a good one. I mean, he's excited, and he, he loves us because we shoot all these does or whatever. But um, one thing, let's switch gears or whatever a little bit here. Um, now, with w- what you've got going on, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, like with the um, – like with the issues you have with some of your people on your surrounding property that you yeah. manage, you yeah. want to cover any of that? Oh, I don't know if it needs to because it's 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 one of those things where a it's not going to change anything. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's look look he's he's one of these guys that wants to be a big outfitter. He wants to just go balls to the walls. He wants to be as big as he can, and he's trying to get as much acreage as he can, and he's paying for it. And so if you're going to lease a shit pile of, of land, well, you've got to come up with the money to pay for that and still pay for all the everything else. So he's got to run a bunch of hunters. And so it just one thing feeds to another. It's legal debate in in, uh, in Kansas right now. Um, so he's doing what is legal. Um, and there's a, you know, I mean, you can have a debate on whether it's ethical or not. That's not, that's for not for me to decide. Um, but it is. It just is what it is, and it just goes. The thing that I that obviously bugs me just because of the fact we do all of the uh, intensive management on our side of the fence, and then you got somebody that puts a ground blind, ties a ground blind to the T post, you know, your property line, and puts a bait pile right next to your bedding area, so he can just try to you know sucker everything over the fence and kill. I mean, just if if every if he put a hunter in there and they killed a buck, he'd have another hunter in there the next night and kill another buck, and then they killed another buck. I mean, they, you they're think not it's going to sustain it. 
we'll see. I've seen outfitters like this just crash and burn. I've seen outfitters like this just keep cruising on and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But um, the, what what's going to happen? I'll, and I'll tell you this, and that way, if he's listening or any, you know, if if the Hushin or the Mossy Oak guys are listening, <laughs> then you, listen. Um, yeah, you. I have the ability to direct the manage or direct the management on our properties, and so I'm not going to complain about what he's doing on his side of the fence because he can do whatever he wants within the legal realms. It's his property that he leases. It's his operation. He can do what he wants. But guess what? I can do that on my property. So where we used to have this one chunk of our property as our sanctuary and we didn't hunt, he starts putting his guys on our fence line. Well, fine. I just flipped that. We just flip flopped that entire property 180. So now our sanctuary is a mile from him. And now on some of these I'm going to start hunting these fence lines. I'll put my guys in there. I'll do habitat improvement to pull the deer away. I'll do my food plots on different areas. Sure. Are we going to have some movement up and down the river bottom? Absolutely. There's nothing we can do about that. And depending on what the crop rotation is on their side of the fence, yes, we're going to have some of the deer that spend the bulk of their time on us, probably jump the fence and go over and get shot over there. That's fine. But I can change the management to where I will, let's just say, greatly discourage deer movement in there direction yeah Yeah. well let's talk about we'll get off that subject and talk about something a little bit different okay so there's been a big debate of that garmin zero site i don't know if you're paying attention so you're a guy i would say you are i've never shot with you average shot ish yeah yeah okay but you you you, when i'm when i'm shooting and i have time see the problem okay we can get into the whole iron mine because that intrigues me a little bit but um but yes, when I when I am relaxed and I have time to sh- focus on shooting, I usually do pretty good. I'm I'm a probably a sixty yards and under shooter. Got it. so where is your self imposed range on an elk? Sixty, at the right right circumstances. Well, I think I, I, I think I, the asterisk I, the, the, I the right ha- circumstances. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I my bow my setup is sighted in to where I have a I have a multi-pin sight 20 30 40 50 60 and that's it i will and and i try to get very proficient out to 60 every year i the furthest i've ever killed an elk i think is 33 yards everything else is usually sub 20 but i i will practice at a little bit longer ranges in case i need to do a follow-up shot but i would never on the first go if I saw a bull, like say he's a giant bull and he's feeding out there at 75 yards. No, I, I'm not. Uh, that arrow's not That arrow's not going. Yeah. See, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. It would have been dead while you were <laughs> contemplating calling it in. Um, yes. But so you've got the Garmin Zero rangefinders technology, right? The Garmin Zero, um, it ranges the animal for you, adjusts the pin. It's a very technical sight. Um, and then- Oh, so uh, it, adju- it actually moves the pin? Yeah, you just aim. Really? I just thought it just told you what the yardage was um, and you had to... F- so it actually does all that? Well, it, it you know what? Um, I'm not explaining it, but it's got basically a dope chart in it. So you can okay. calculate right. things inside gotcha. of it and everything. Gotcha. So gotcha. Okay. Your, right. You know, you, you can you can actually type in a different arrow and it recites your bow in. Um, it's crazy. crazy. So where do you think... Do you think one... Hunting seasons for archers will get taken away because of technology and efficiency. You think that'll happen? 
<sighs> now, let me caveat that. Caveat that, and then I'll... Because... Okay, go ahead. Western United States. We already know it's been taken away from crossbows in Oklahoma and other eastern states because they were too lethal. Um, harvest ratios went through the roof. The Western United States, just to keep it in our wheelhouse. Um, you're in the Midwest, but skip those. Will seasons get taken away because of technology, potentially, or will will technology be used as a another knife in the in the rib cage to try and take away uh, or shorten bow hunting season? Okay, now we're talking. I think I think you got two different. I think that's. I'm trying to formulate my thought. I think it's difficult because you start running into other stuff. Yeah, and and I think you actually have two different things going on there. Okay, so if we look at will technology increase? Because what we're talking about is increasing harvest success. Okay, so if you kill more animals, then your harvest objectives, from the biologist standpoint, the harvest objectives are met quicker. So if you have too many people out there beyond that harvest harvest objective and they're and they're all lethal people, then you can over harvest and then you can cause problems. And so yes, I can show you where just and, and it wasn't even a tech not well, I guess you could probably argue a technology. Look at what in Colorado, northern part of the state, Pawnee grasslands, and say uh, North Park, pronghorn, uh, antelope. Seasons, archery seasons. South yep. Park went to a draw because of archery. Okay, now the there you my go. Yeah. There you go. So there's another one, and it's what I was going to say. North Park went limited draw because the the success was so high. Everybody bailed over to the Pawnee. So many people were hunting Pawnee that the harvest started going up. They had to make Pawnee a limited draw. So boom, yeah, that's. I mean, so I don't know if you can. And, and I don't, I'm not one of these guys that just knows these numbers, but I know from, well, I think you had Steve Hilde on. Yeah. I listened to that one and he was talking about the number of archers in the state is going up. So you sit there and say, okay, is it an issue of technology that is causing this increase or are we just, is, is, are, are, is bow hunting becoming a more prominent Here's tool the thing, on though, the landscape? The tags are the tags. So on a draw unit, 200 tags. 200 people get it. Now, that's if fair it enough. Went that's from fair enough. Okay, that's fair 10, enough. 10%, that's 20 elk. Yeah, yeah. So now it is a technology type deal. It, it's a could, lethality. Could be, okay. Um, or skill set of the hunters. Yeah, there, I mean, and this, this is where <laughs> if you take away rangefinders, for example, yep. I guarantee it's going down, right? I mean, it's crutch for everybody. Um, it's going down, but how many more wounding loss do we have? Well, this is the old arguable point. Brian and I talked about this the other day. So, potentially could be wounding, right? Um, is it a arguable point? Do we make a traditional archery season in certain units or certain times? Um, or does the compound get shrunk season? Or do the tags get smaller and smaller? One way or another, it's less tags, potentially, because the amount of hunters is inconsequential, except on OTC, um, because the tags are the tags. And those can get shrunk. Now, OTC could be caps. We talked about that. There's several different. Okay, so for me, I just don't like the Garmin Zeit because it makes you lazy. Point blank. It's my own personal shit that I hate seeing more and more. I want you to learn land nav. I want you to learn to judge. I want you to learn to tune a bow. Okay, and if you're listening to a professional archer that has to take his bow to a professional to get it worked on, 
I wouldn't listen to that professional in the outdoor industry about that specific subject, if that makes any sense. Like, if you, you're professional at your, that's in your wheelhouse. I'm going to ask you about elk calling. I'm going to ask you about habitat. I mean, that's what you do. But you also don't give advice on tuning a bow because it's not your wheelhouse. You may no, be okay at it. And, but, and, yeah. yeah, exactly. And then I'm going to pitch you over to someone else that knows what the heck they're doing. Right, right. So, you know, you talk about all this stuff. So where, and I'm only talking about it because it's a hot topic. Does a specific person, and I'm going to use Brian because he's a friend, does he have the right to promote that site with the platform he has that could technically get other people to use it, that could technically decrease hunter opportunity to go into the field? And this was a big trad compound guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I stayed out of it because one way or another, I'll find a way. But if I don't have a tag, it's going to have trouble finding a way. Now- then Brian brought up, okay, there was something he said, something about dirty secrets or traditional bow hunters. They shoot does and things in the ass. He's the last guy that should be talking shit about that, right? He's wounded as much as anybody I know. But when you t- do talk about the wounding thing, that's his thing. He's like, this makes me a more, uh, ethical, or more ethical hunter. I'm like, well, then that makes you a more successful hunter. Can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah. If you're more ethical, the most ethical thing you could ever do is never shoot. Exactly. Right? Exactly. But, so what you're saying is you're a more lethal. Yeah, well, I, yeah. No, I, I see what he's saying, but you're absolutely right. You're 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 killing. Mo- yeah. I'm more lethal with a rangefinder. Yeah. Period. Like, period. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's exactly. No way. Now, more wounding or whatever. You know, who knows? But one way or another, there's going to have to be a solution. Now, he talked about. Oh, no, not to me. Brian and I discussed this. We're friends, right? But. You have the highest tech rain gear, the highest tech backpack. The backpack doesn't levitate. That That's fucking right. is out of the equation. That's right. The rain gear isn't imperf- it isn't impervious to to issues, right? There's there's no boot pack clothing should be in that equation. It's that that technology, in my opinion, is a moot point um, because it's not increasing that your efficiency to the level of a rangefinder, to the level of radios, you know, like in your ear, for example the level of um specific things well but 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 arguably though that's part of what i've seen i think we see a hell of a lot more people in the backcountry nowadays because we have the gear that we have back when we were starting out it was old army fatigues and cotton if you take away uh earbuds right oh yeah no they exactly they're still coming right i'm just saying yeah 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 i don't and this is you and i are agreeing and we don't know it no no i i, I agree with you yeah. but I, I think i would even i would probably throw in clothing because I think it helps you be there, stay there, go there. But I'm agreeing with you on that. Okay. No, no, I'm saying those things I think are good, should stay. What I'm saying is that's not going to make you put an arrow through an animal as easy Correct. as a range finder. Correct. It's going to make your comfort. Yeah, you It's not up. assisting you in harvesting the, or that. You're not you know, going to convince the me bullet or the, the fucking arrow. season's getting shortened because you have really good rain gear. Correct. Okay. Correct. No, your harvest no. did not go up. Amy just started shooting. She wouldn't even fucking know what rain gear, right? But if she went to an archery range and you had a pin sight and then I hand her one that shoots the bow for her, yeah. well, she's common sense is going to say, this motherfucker right here is the bomb. Yeah. Well, this is where I mean, um, where does it kind of, where's that line drawn? And for me, that line is drawn at that site. It's too much for, for me. Yeah. So, okay, so arguably, do we, do we ban... Range finders? Do we ban? Uh, not are, this. I'm yeah, not yeah. saying we do this, but okay. Then the game cameras come up. Yep. Now for me, the game camera to a certain degree, I'm out of my wheelhouse somewhat. 
is a moot point because most people that have the plot watcher things that you can watch at home, that's private land. That's yep, the, yep. They're not leaving the fuckers on public land. And that's for, no one's going to do that to crush the population. That's their land. They're using those to increase the population or increase the, the age demographic, the size and everything else. If you put that much money and you're putting that much effort into it, you can't tell me somebody like Levi Morgan who owns his own land that that's going to be a detriment to hunting uh, the the cameras for that specific side. And I'm saying this because yeah, yeah. you know way on, more about on, it than On his do. property, yep. On his. But you go into the public land side, they're going to get go. stolen generally. Um, well, or you go Unit 9 Arizona where you get every water hole has 15 cameras on it. And I was going to leave it to, actually I was leading right up to that because you're the one that brought it up and I looked into it. Ban them in that area. Ban them in that state. Well, and that's what—that's part of the debate that's going on down there right now. Is well, and I—I I think it's been tabled for at least a little bit. I—I I need to check with the guys down there to I see what's you going don't on. Have to piss yet? You need to go to the bathroom. I did before. See, that's why. See, I—I—I I, I prior plan. I Drink prior plan. My, I yeah, but you're drinking thing. out of a gallon jug <laughs> over there. You're like glug 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 glug. Yeah, that's gonna go through you. There's hydration, and then there's just ridiculous whatever you're doing the over there. The human body is 65 percent water. You gotta yeah. drink water. <laughs> yeah, but when you're at 95 <laughs> percent, it's gonna come out somehow. Yeah, no kidding. But no, go back into the. Uh, we we're talking about the water holes. It made me think of that. No, um, but yeah. So the, the debate down there was that there's so much. And and here's the thing. It's not from the, – the issue that they're having is not from a population harvesting standpoint. The issue they're having is from a hunter conflict and a disruption at these water holes and just this the shit show that goes on with you've got 15 cameras at the water hole owned by 15 different groups. And so you've got 15 different groups and guys going into this water hole repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And then it becomes this battle of this race to who's going to, oh, I've, I've got the most recent information. So we're going to go down there. We, it, it became a, just a nightmare. Um, it still can be bad. Uh, at so far, I think the last I heard was they, they've just said, no, they're not going to do anything about it right now. Um, like I said, but don't quote me on that. I need to check with the guys down there to see, but, um, yeah, because like in Arizona, you cannot camp within a quarter mile of a water source or, or like a, a, an actual water developed area. You know, if it's a mud puddle, that doesn't count. But if it's a stock pond, what they call tanks down there or a wildlife water catchment trick tank or something like that, you can't camp within a quarter mile because why? They don't want the human disturbance around that water source to interfere with animals using it. So that's been the argument with the game cameras of, well, aren't we doing that with so many game cameras around these water holes? And that's what I kind of took after you, I researched it was the harvest ratio is the same. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but the uh, disturbance in because it, you can't just say there's a gate. The game camera is probably not disturbing it. The traffic. That's exactly is it. it. And then the fighting. The conflict. The conflict yes. that goes on. So one of the things I brought up to Brian is why doesn't the Department of Wildlife at a national level have a panel of people like you or me that have a heavily weighed opinion on this? Meaning like when you have a jury. Right. Mm -hmm. You can't just have trad guys. Right. You can't just have, you know, yeah, it's got to be balanced. Yeah, it's got to be balanced. So uh, me being the neutral guy, let's as an example, I've been on both sides of the fence where I'm sticking stuff at 130 yards and now I'm shooting a stick. And then you've got the keeked out guy and you got the trad guy of what's legal. Right. What gets banned and what doesn't. This is what I think is a problem solver here, meaning you sit down at a round table and you say, unit nine, do we allow game cameras? Okay, if you got one guy 
in that state or two or three on the panel, they're going to have their own. One of those motherfuckers probably got a camera on a water hole. So, of course, he's voting for it. But you're taking that aspect, even though you may not be in your homeland, but you're having people maybe from the outside looking in saying, you should just ban them, right? That's just They're just bad down there. Now, of course, the people that live down there are going to freak out about it, but it's an even playing field. They're banned for everyone, so you're not picking on anybody specific other than the state, right? And then you talk about the zero. Okay, legal and rifle season. You can use it there. Okay, it's le- legal during the week of muzzleloader. You can use it there. Of course, most people are going to swap sites, and I'm just spitballing, throwing out examples. Um you know, mechanical broadheads. That's another one. People get Twitter paid. I don't personally care. I, I like mechan but mechanicals. You gotta shoot this weight, you gotta shoot this poundage or whatever. Other than that, you're shooting a contact contact head. Just examples. Um, game cameras in general, right? Um, game cameras, when there becomes an issue, that go becomes goes to the panel. Okay, so Colorado, not an issue. Okay, but let's say they become an issue. That goes in the front of the panel, and then the decisions that are made in that state are heavily weighed upon by that panel. What do you think of that? I can't say that a concept of that doesn't already exist because let's let's take it. Let's just and again, forgiveness to all my Arizona friends because I'm not down there. But <laughs> you know, when when the policymakers looked at let's just and I, again, this is all hypothetical at this point. This is just Aaron and I spitballing off of a a, a public issue. Uh, or a known issue. So the game camera stuff. When when the issue came before the fishing game, I'm I guarantee you it came up because hunters at more than one hunter showed up and said we've got a problem. Right. So the administrators of that agency probably started doing. Look at look at him. Glug 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 glug. What did you just drink half of that thing? All right now, just a half a gallon. Why aren't you peeing yet? You, I feel just so go much pee better. again. <laughs> just go pee again. So I'm get, I guarantee you. That's high quality H2O. I'm I'm guaranteeing you the you know whether it's the biologists, the managers down there, they probably did their research on going out and seeing okay what are other states doing what's the general feel around i mean they they're going to they're good guys they're going to do their research and they're going to get that opinion but we are under the north american model and i and i like that model of the states manage their wildlife and the wildlife regulations in their state and so that's where they bring it back to the public and say okay we're going to have public meetings on it now i was heavily involved with colorado sportsman politics back when i was you know through the mid 2000s i know that there is a huge difference between a legitimate, honest, robust public process and a sham public process where the agency's already made up its mind, but we're going to go out to the public. We're going to solicit input. Oh, thank you for coming out to the meeting tonight. Oh, thank you for your comments. Yes, we'll take these comments and processes. We're just going to do what we're going to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's, there, I will give the hunters out there that say, yes, there's there's the sham public process where the agency's just trying to sell something versus the honest, robust one. I I always advocated for the honest, robust public process. Get everybody to the table, have different meetings across the state, and you solicit input from anybody that wants to show up. You know, and that's the problem that that we have as sportsmen. I saw it; the world sees it. There's the adage, and 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 this one I think goes both. So let me give you two. The world. There's two type of people in this world: those that just want to be left alone, mm-hmm. and those that refuse to. Yeah. Okay. The other thing is is. The world is run by those who show up. 
Yeah. Okay. So in so far as these public meetings around the state, it's going to be dictated. It's going to be influenced by who shows up. And so if you want a voice and you want to in, you know, be a part of that, you've got to show up. And sometimes, and I've watched this, I think uh, I, I about, I about launched at, uh, my phone. So I've been working on my garage, trying to finish up my studio. Yeah. And so I'm listening to podcasts. So I, again, the one with Steve, um, you guys were talking about the, the public process and I didn't, I, I, it was about some public meeting or whatever, um, and they had it was a controversial. I can't even remember what it is now. It was a controversial topic, and um, they had the the meeting. I think in like Lamar or something like that, where no one's going to come. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm like that's bullshit, and the agency knows it. And I'll, I'll fight anybody agency. Believe me, I know everybody knows who I am because I was that guy. I was the guy that would show up, and they're like, "God damn it, Chris is here." So here's the thing that I, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Because when he said, and I didn't say a whole lot, but when he said that, oh I'm yeah, you like, should have called bullshit right then. I was like, well, and I, but it wasn't not it was not Steve. Steve. Was, yeah, yes, exactly. yes, 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 yes. And yeah. he's a nice guy. But yeah. okay, how many calls do you get about your harvest statistics? Right? Did yeah. you shoot one? Yeah. Okay. How fucking hard is this to call and take a vote? Right. Exactly. Okay. So here's my thing, because you're not going to get some people to to come. A lot of most people to come, but on some topics, okay. Why isn't there? Because, I mean, they're charging enough for tags and shit and everything else, right? Why isn't there, okay. The age of the internet, you mean? Yeah, the when age you of the internet. When you go, please take this survey. Right, because if your heart's into it, you're taking the fucking survey, yeah, right? Okay, right. so it doesn't take a genius to figure out who they should be surveying because you fucking hunt that unit and it's logged. It's in yeah. the database. So yeah. to me, uh, talking about this is, okay, is uh, unit one in my wheelhouse? Probably don't need to take a survey on that. You know, they're maybe yeah, yeah. better qualified. Is the I-70-285 corridor from, let's say, um, oh, Netherlands South. Okay, that I can answer pretty much any question you want there. Why am I not getting a survey for this vote? Because is it really a fucking vote if no one votes? Yeah, right? Like, no. Exactly. So, 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 again, that's where I said some of these public <laughs> processes are a sham because I, I saw it. I was part of it. I mean, not part of it, but I, I tried to you know, fight it when I was in, involved. So the point being is it, you've got to show up. Yeah. You know, if you want that. Now, granted, I'm with you. I, I hate the excuses. We, we are in a day and age where things really can be easy yeah. if they wanted it. Okay? Yeah. So we can go down all sorts of conspiracy theory, rabbit holes or whatever, <laughs> or, you know, anti-government, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I am. I'm a small government. Just yeah, let me do my thing. So I think to, 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 to get back, I think like, for instance, the game camera thing, the, the state did a good job with it. But I think what ended up happening, but you always, it's people. That's the thing. You, you, people are making decisions and people have their biases and people have their connections or whatever. It's, it's going to come up to a decision. Um, someone's going to be in charge of making that decision. Right now, they've just kind of tabled it, but they've had a good discussion. But but there was a lot of good arguments for it, and there was a lot of good arguments against it. And so I think they're still trying to come up with info. Some of it's trust, okay, for me. Oh, so yeah. for Meaning like some of the um, – I've talked to Dawson. He's a game warden around here. I trust him. Um, I mean, he's going to give me a ticket. I, mean, I don't trust him yeah, that yeah, much. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but he shows up on my front door. I probably deserve him to be there. I will say that. I ask him the questions, he gives me the answers, and I, okay, I get, I get it, man, I get it. I, I understand where he's coming from, and I understand the thought process behind it, but when you don't trust someone or some yeah. you know, former fashion of government where you start talking about, okay, let's say, which this is way off the subject, but the same thing, the zero site. Okay. 
Okay, so there's hoopla on the internet. Okay, maybe it doesn't even fucking matter. Okay, does it does it matter? Is it going to ever matter? Okay, so let's maybe it's yeah. not, and maybe the government already knows it's never going to take away a season. But here we are on the internet eating our own. Okay, yeah. about it. So. This is where it comes when I say a panel. Part of that panel would also be to distribute the information out amongst the, the, the I say siblings, but amongst the public, okay? Because well, if that Garmin Zero site has already been factored in, which I highly doubt it has, um, of hunting statistics, the ratios, whatever, against wounding ratios, okay? Well, that solves a lot of problems of bitching and arguing and everything else, right? We remember the lighted knock issue here, everyone's oh, freaking yeah. out, which didn't make a shit of difference for it helped you find the animal, not put an arrow through the animal. In in my opinion, oh, it yeah. was no. better to find the animal. Yeah. I, I liked but, it. But but you know darn well that there was people that were willing to just walk they were like, Fuck it, I'm not gonna hunt Colorado anymore. And we then this is again, this is where you, there's always been a, a segment of the trad community that's argued for their own season because they didn't like where compound shooting was going anyway. Yeah. Back when I mean like, what do you mean you can shoot sixty yards? That's a bunch of bullshit. Oh, we need our own season. It's like what okay, hold that. What do you mean you got range finders? I don't need a range finder. What do you mean you're using steel broadheads? That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah, just, it's like, okay, come on. So, but it, but it is. It, it, it we are always. Uh, you want to go down a, you want to go down a hole? I'm one of those guys now, is why I'm laughing. But go ahead. No. Yeah, <laughs> so you are, dude. Uh, I, I've I, this here, here for the world of Colorado. Listen, I have completely changed my position on crossbows. Yeah. Let him in. Yeah. What are you thinking? I, let him in. Yeah. Because I literally this year have gone with two different guys hunting with a crossbow. But one in the mountains for elk and one on whitetails. Yeah. You want to know how much of a pain in the ass, clunky, worthless piece of crap equipment those things are? Now, we I brought this up. It's a moot point in the mountains because most people are never going to take one because... Let them. In the mountains. They'll do it once. Yeah. I was going to say, you're not... I mean, in some lower areas where you can set up a blind, they might be a little bit more. But as far as backpacking in or in and out, they're just not conducive. Well, um, but the thing is, is most of the people that are, are arguing against them have never. I, I, you and you, you know this absolutely. How fast and how quiet is it to walk with your bow, compound bow? Let's just let's use a compound. I'm not even gonna go with a trad bow. Yeah. Let's just go with a compound. Walking through the aspens, whatever. All of a sudden, boom, snap, crack, an elk steps out and starts walking, and it's 30 yards away. Yeah. Okay? You're good with a compound. Pull up your bow. You knock an arrow. At most, you hear a click. Okay? You pull back silently. You shoot. You miss. How fast and how quiet can you put another arrow Knock another arrow and draw back. Super fast for the stick book because I've killed several in my second, third animal. And, and, almost, <laughs> and pretty much almost dead quiet. Yeah. With a crossbow, that ain't happening. <laughs> they go off, number one, and they're allowed as sin. So that animal's probably not going to be standing there. Now, oh, wait, hold on, Mr. Elk. Stand there a minute while I put the bow down or the crossbow down. Get my, <laughs> my little ratchety thing so I can wind this thing up so you got this excessive movement, this excessive noise. It takes probably 20 seconds to 30 seconds of a process to get, okay, now I got to back. I got to get, get another bolt in. Most bolts have a safety mechanism now to where you got to push it in and click. It sits in. You're not getting a second shot off. Yeah. Okay. And if you look at how the mechanics of archery works, 
I know Joel probably talks about it. You, Tom talks about it. Everybody who, who archery hunts, that push-pull, okay? That is what helps when you pull a bow back. That is what helps your whole structural aiming integrity. Alignment, it, yeah. Yeah, it, you're solid. But meanwhile, go ahead and grab a rifle, shoulder it, and offhand shoot, okay? It is very difficult for the average person to offhand shoot. Well, a crossbow is nothing but like a rifle, but it's even bigger and clunkier and bulkier. So now you want to try to pick up a crossbow and offhand shoot? Good luck. Most of the people that are that are shooting a crossbow are using shooting sticks. Well, now you've got to get the shooting stick down. It was the freaking most ridiculous, and, and there's so much metal and carbon and everything else. It it was always banging on buckles. It's always clean. It was the they are the noisiest, clunkiest, most pain in the ass thing to deal with. I was like, whole. I mean, it was a freaking epiphany. I, I we did the one because my hunter in Arizona had major shoulder, I mean, blew out his shoulders. So he had a medical permit to allow him to, because he drew that tug. So, so he drew a unit nine tag. So he's like, damn it, I'm going archery because I want that rut hunt, but I've got to pull a, a crossbow permit. It was a freaking pain in the ass. And then my deer hunter, he shows up with, what is it, the raven? I mean, yeah, dude, I this thing's, oh, dude, it's <laughs> awesome. I mean, the, the way the scope is mounted to the rail you can adjust the yardage by turning a little tiny little lever and it it moves the sc- oh it's it's incredible dude same thing clickety 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 just i mean yeah. it is the most clunky pain in the butt to carry Brian and I talked about this and I agreed I didn't go through the spiel you did but that's a good way for people to see it what where the crossbow comes into play it's preloaded right arrows in sure. tree, tree stand sure. it comes out it's going to die or probably probably um, Ground blind, even better. Um, you compare that to spot and stock antelope. Um, one, you're probably going to fucking shoot yourself if you're not too careful, right? But, yeah. you know, as far as the cocking and the move, yeah, I don't worry about that in Western hunting, but being fair to all sides, it crushed the deer population in Oklahoma when they legalized it. Sure, because they probably increased the number of guys, gals that were out in the field, though, too, didn't they? You know what? I'm not going to misspeak because I would have to run all the numbers of, you know, public land, private land and everything Cause, else. Because in Kansas, know, so. that's part of the argument. See, yeah. Kansas legalized crossbows and there was a lot of Kansas and they were like, God, you know, that's going to blah, blah. You know, we're all we're going to do is increase number of bow hunters and we we're just taking from shotgun or excuse me, all these rifle hunters. Okay. Yeah. It, it basically increased the population out there that was hunting during the archery season. Yeah. I am one of those guys that I don't see that as a problem. I would like to see more people out in the field. And I, at some point, I probably ought to get a crossbow because there are a lot of times kids want to go or new hunters want to go. And in Kansas, we have that yeah, program where you have- veterans, yeah, whatever. We, yeah, we've got the mentor program where we don't even, they don't even have to go to, to hunter safety to test it out. So some kid comes up to me or some you know adult, you know, man, I, I've always been kind of curious about hunting. I don't have to send them through- you can come hunt with me. I will mentor you side by side. And quite honestly, what am I going to put in your arm? I'm going to give you a crossbow. Why? Because it gives you more time for, I can get you in the field more. I can work with your schedule more. I can give you a taste of all sorts of different behavior. I can sell you on hunting because I get to show you all sorts of cool shit with hunting. Yeah, you know, no, if she so, wanted to go and I hadn't got her a compound, Amy or, or Kaylee, but Kaylee's been shooting yeah. since birth. And she wanted to go and say you wanted to shoot a turkey. Yeah, I would say, you know what? Let's grab a crossbow. Let's just go. It, it's easy. You know, and 
Let's just go and have fun and see. Let's say she didn't like guns. Not that she's against guns, but she didn't like the adverse Yeah, you didn't like explosion, to kick it. You, you didn't right? want to kick in your shoulder. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So we go with the crossbow. I would guarantee you would know immediately if she wanted to hunt, right? Yep. Can, does yep. it bother her to end? It got her in the field. And I agree with everything you're saying there, but and, I, yeah, let me pause. Yeah. And you want to know the other thing about it that's funny? Everybody that I've taken, that I've been, so I've got, so two guys this year, the landowner that I hunt with, he, he, during archery season, he hunts with a crossbow. And then I've taken a couple people, every single person that has, has hunted with a crossbow at the end of the hunt is like, that was fun. Yeah, I really I need to learn to shoot a cr- compound. Yeah, <laughs> it was well, not that they wanted to keep going with the cop or the crossbow. I don't know about now, but a few years ago, there wasn't anybody I wouldn't shoot against with, for a lot of money at 60, 80 yards. My compound versus their yeah, crossbow yeah. offhand. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in every single one of my hunters, yeah, they've got the bu- they've got the crossbow that says, "Oh, this will shoot." That you know, if you put it in a vice or whatever, it'll shoot the same hole at a hundred yards. Yeah. yeah, that's the machine. Yeah, but that ain't you. Every single one of my hunters was it needs to be sixty and under. And then when the fit hit the shan and we're in a hunting scenario, he's like, you know, forty. Uh, you know, I don't, I really don't want to shoot anything beyond forty. Why? Because you look through that thing and you go, okay, now yeah, you're shaky. You're you can you hold a rifle offhand and be accurate? Mm-hmm. Okay, now with a rifle, you again, rifle and bow kills completely different. So maybe you can shoot offhand, you know, out to 100 yards because if you're plus or minus a few inches, it doesn't matter. That freaking hole is going to carve a hole through them and, and the shock value, all sorts of blah, blah, blah. But with a with a crossbow, putting a bolt and a broadhead, you still need to be within a plus or minus a couple of inches to keep it in the boiler room. And most folks are not that confident. I don't care if you're on shooting sticks. All right, well, let's let's switch it, though. The zero. Okay. Okay. What would you say the number one reason people missing? Let's say whitetail is other than oh, shit in their pants. Well, I, well, probably you're going to argue missing, you know, misjudging yardage, and or the the deer jumping the string. Well, I would say shooting them on the move because they're doing that a lot. Yeah. Um. This is west. This is in Alabama. Oh, I thought you said whitetails. Yeah, I do, but I'm oh, okay. saying Midwest over. Oh, okay. Yeah, in yeah. my opinion, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Those deer are dumb. In comparison to Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, they don't look up. They don't. And I've hunted them all. Mm. Those deer. <laughs> I might, well, I've hunted they them. might look up less. Let's put it that way. They look well, up less. Mm, I've killed probably five whitetails in Kansas. I've killed, well, six this year in Oklahoma. I've killed a pile in Nebraska. The smartest whitetail I've ever seen is about as bright as the youngest, dumbest doe in Alabama. And I guarantee Broderick, who's killed everything all over the world, he will argue with you until he passes out. Well, I'm putting paint on my face in Oklahoma. And he comes, he goes, what the fuck are you doing that for, the gram? And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, you don't need that shit here, man. And yeah. uh, I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. He's like, shut the fuck up. Quit putting your camera. That's how Broderick is, right? Uh, yeah. He's like, you don't need it. I'll grow, I'll grow my beard We just be put a fucking ghillie suit together. For Alabama, which I would have never worn before, because it'll take you 15 minutes to get your bow on your hand. They are that skittish. I've never seen anything like it. But how much cover you have up in the trees that you're in? It depends. But I mean, obviously, we have to pay attention because you won't get your bow drawn. Like, I've got fucking telephone poles in Oklahoma. They don't give a shit. They're coming, right? They don't care where. And you you do the the buzzard thing in, in in Alabama. They just don't come. 
right? I mean, they don't, there is no shot opportunity because they don't even come within range, right? I've never seen anything like it. But, um, and so they duck more. But you have to figure too, they're hunted nonstop. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. There yeah, is yeah. no break. What does it for say? Them. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. What does it start? September and end in December, January, February. Yeah. So I mean, we're going down February first, right? Still hunting. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Yep. But, but having said that, you know, coming in or what with you don't have to draw. You have that movement is gone. Okay. So that's a big part of it. So whether it be ducking the string or them taking off or whatever. You don't have to draw the bow because in the tree stand, everybody I know with a crossbow, it's cocked and ready. You can't yeah, yeah, do that yeah. out west. is is easy. Yeah. Um, where with the zero, what that takes away is this. Yes. Right? That takes away how many deer have you lost from that movement? Oh, yeah. No, or either, either because of the movement or realistically because – the time I took to pull my cro- my my rangefinder crossbow, up, fucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm gonna hunt with now from now on. Absolutely, man. Uh, so the time it took me to to grab my rangefinder, range it, put it down, get on that period of time, the animal has moved out. I've lost my opportunity because the animal moved. I'm like, God damn it! You know, I should just trust it. Yeah, no. So that having that movement will. Eat up some opportunities. Yes. So how many how many hundred and fifty inch eight points have you seen? Whitetail. No, not many. Okay. Well, I missed a hundred and fifty inch eight point this year. Legitimately bigger than the ten I killed or as the same size. And snort wheezed. Right. And I will say that it's nice, you know, I the fucking things just come to snort wheezes, right? Like nothing I've ever seen, yeah. right? I mean, they just because he's got a good buck to doe ratio down there. He's got they plenty of bucks. the shit out of it. Yeah, okay, yeah. so comes in, but it's coming in parallel to me, but away. So not quite parallel. So it's it's gaining distance away from me. But he's broadside. But he's broadside. Okay, all right. He comes out now. I have a stick bow. I'll get bashed for this. My point on's forty. Um, yeah, so but I've, you're you're you're. I, I watched your group the other night, and I was like, God, freaking. Your group at 50 is about what I'm shooting at right now with my compound. With the, the buck comes through. I don't have time to range it. And it's at a it's in a tunnel that I didn't pre-range. And I always pre-range. Pre-range everything but that tunnel, like a dipshit. And I'm like, it's clear. And I look and I'm like, it's in a tunnel, though. It looks farther than it is. At first, I thought it was 40. So I put my broadhead right in the, the pocket. And I shoot right in the pocket underneath it. And with a compound, it would have been a moot point because 35 or 40, I would just put 40 on his heart. So the zero, all of that is gone, okay? There is no, you know, it runs out and it stops. Now, this is, we tested it greatly, screwing around with it, okay? So there's pros and cons to it. Will it increase enough to make a difference? And I'm leaving east out of it, out west. In the east, I know it will because... In a tree stand, when those deer come in, you are leaving everything out of the equation that's a problem. The number one problem is grabbing the range from Reno. Now, there is the argument if you suck, you suck. You're going to miss it anyway. Okay, but if you're a killer, you're going to be even in better killer. Okay? Yeah. But will there be less animals wounded? Well, you can't have one without the other. It's probably yep. going to be some less animals wounded. Is that better then? Okay. Well, the system has worked for a long time with wounded animals. They take that into the equation. So now, Uh, but, but okay, I will argue that yeah, they take that in equation, but they don't have any quantification of it. I was gonna say that's not my. uh, I I should say that that's what they tell you. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. But how do you quantify that? I made a phone call when I had shot that because I'd never wounded very few elk. I made a phone call 
I wounded, I hit an elk in the leg with my stick bow. And of course, everything I did, Brian, public fucking all the way to Norway, right? Everybody knew what happened and hit it in the leg, tracked it. Story went up. A lot of guys said I should have punched my tag. A lot of, you know, there was oh, yeah, a lot, yeah. you know, it's the fucking internet, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Everybody came out of the basement. I'm, I'm, I'm more noble and, and moral than you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well, I'm going to keep hunting. Okay. So, but I hit it in the leg. So there's the argument. What if I hit it in the stomach and it's going to die? Should I punch my tag? I called seven different Department of Wildlife agencies in seven states. They're like, fuck no, keep hunting. We take that into the equation. Like, you paid for that tag. If you did your due diligence, you looked everywhere. You did everything you could. You're hunting. Keep hunting, man. Good luck. They were cool. They said, we take that. Now, okay, now, and another thing to add to that scenario of the wounded animal. I shoot an animal out east, which I did. Jumps a fence I can't get to. Okay? No one can get permission on we can see that deer dead. The Department of Wildlife agent is telling me they will give me a ticket if I cross that boundary. Yes. We have to leave it lay. What the fuck does that say about our society today? Yeah. That animal's fucking going to die and get eaten by coyotes and, and birds because of a fence line. Okay? Oh, no. It, oh, yeah. No. So Okay. So how big of a deal is it if you've mm, backpacked in seven miles and shot one and hit it in the stomach? You should stop hunting then. When in another area, the DOW is going to tell you not to get the animal, and you know it's fucking dead. So there's a lot of puzzles to this fucking piece, or a lot of pieces to this puzzle. So it, with the zero, I'm only bringing that up. It's not something I'd ever use. I judge yardage well enough. I shoot well enough. I don't really give a shit. But will it take away? So then it came. Of course, I'm for a traditional archer-only season. I'd be fucking stupid not to. I, I'm shooting a yeah. stick bow. But I do think... That with it, I do think it could be used as a management tool, and that's why I wanted to ask you this. And as I ask you, I'm going to go pee again. Doesn't it make sense if the numbers are low in a certain area, numbers of animals, animals, okay, to make that a traditional archery season where it'd still be a good hunt, but potentially the harvest ratio is going to go down because it's harder with a stick bow. I mean, it obviously you don't have to potentially increase the numbers, make stick bow hunters happy. Um, raise those numbers back up uh, and make it into a stick bow only unit. Not just a, a season, but a stick bow only. They did it in Oregon at work, so you can't argue it. Um, that unit now, where the numbers were decimated, that unit now, and very few people put in for it, and it's an unbelievable unit. Could it be used as a tool? Would you want to use it as a tool? I'm not throwing my two cents in, but I do think that if there becomes a, uh, if it becomes an issue, where seasons are, uh, and technology is an issue, I don't see another way other than shortening uh, advanced compound season and adding a traditional bow season. One of them is going to get shortened. And that's not my what I want, but I'm saying what else would happen? Yeah, I don't know. I I, I just... Yeah, go. <laughs> I, I don't... I, uh, I see the point behind it. I see the technical benefits behind it, but I don't like it. I don't like fragmenting. I mean, goodness, freaking gracious. We fragment ourselves eight ways from Sunday already. I would, uh, yeah, I, I see the point in it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I would be very curious to see the the whole deal about that Oregon uh, hunt and see what kind of it was before and what they're dealing with now and how it's going now because yeah I, I just I don't know we we in Colorado at least for in Colorado and that debate has been going on for years of, of having trad only 
um, seasons or trad only areas. The to be freaking just blatantly honest, my opinion of that discussion has nothing to do other than jealousy, other than just value competing values to where I don't like you because you have you're doing that. It just it it just this petty bullshit argument between people between groups that I just don't like to support. So I see the point of that. I'd like to see what's going on in Oregon, but I I would probably knee-jerk reaction unless you really made it. I mean, knee-jerk reaction, I'd be like, no. I would probably, me, I would say I would rather make that a limited draw unit for archery first. Because, again, I... And this is a whole nother freaking rabbit hole. Okay, hold on. What if traditional archery numbers were much higher? I I don't think I would. I look so at you're archery. saying if there's as many stick bow hunters as compound hunters, that wouldn't sway the vote. Oh no, I'm I'm saying it absolutely would sway the vote. Maybe not mine though. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's so part of the as we dive down this rabbit hole, which you and I pretty much see eye to eye on all this. Um, that I brought up is the stick bow hunters have zero voice because they've done a fucking horrible job because they've been assholes. Not all go. of you, but most of you. Yeah. 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 No. Um, and I've I've seen it firsthand. Like, you've sent me email, so fuck off if you're going to send me another one. Um, the numbers aren't there because it hasn't been cool enough, and the cool compound stuff has taken over. And so strengthening the numbers, and this is a whole nother bag of snakes, strengthening the numbers in traditional archery would help have more of a pull of a vote. So yeah. if it, you, you talk about, okay, you talked about becoming a limited draw unit. We're talking about technology, though, right? So no, one know, way or I another, know. it's limiting seasons. No, I see. Limiting... I see the. I see the point. I, I do, and I can see the argument. So, but for I, now, I will say, having said all that, I'm all for it in the sense because I'm a stick bow hunter now. Yeah. Now, now, now you have a you you have you something dog in a fight. Well, it's emotional. You a, a, you have a dog in a fight, but now you have. Ooh, you mean I get my own little pie? Ooh, yeah. I, a hundred percent. I, I, I want my own little well, pie. You, you think about it. Okay, we'll take some units we know around here. G sixteen, right up the road. S thirty two, which kind of sucks now. But um, pick a couple more units. I don't. Uh, what's a unit on the I seventy corridor that everybody knows about? Twenty eight. Okay. okay. What's that come with? Five tags or something, or five units when you draw? It's an over the counter tag. And anyway, draw a deer. I think it's thirty seven, three seventy one. Yeah, three, all that. That's everybody and their brother hunts there. So let's say. Oh, hey, unit 28 now is going to be stick bow only over the counter. I like the sounds of that personally. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but okay, but I'll play devil's advocate. All of a sudden, that unit goes stick bow only. Guess where every stick bow hunter is going? I was going to say. Did you just change anything or did you just stack more guys into one area? Well, because what, the, one, because the there's idea not that is, many. Keep in mind, I'm being realistic. There's not that many of them. And there's definitely not that many they're going to backpack in. Yeah. So I went from competing with every asshole with a compound. Yeah. Now to have every your asshole own. with a stick. I'll compete with a stick, guys, every day. Yeah. There's yeah. no. I mean, you'd be dumb not to. It, from the outside look, no, I could no. be totally I'm wrong. Li- yeah. But when you talk about numbers, how many stick bow hunters do you know? Do how many do you know? Oh, I I know a handful, but right. I mean how I many, know the community is what a couple well, hundred people. I, you're you're out of the wheelhouse though. How many do you know? Oh. Uh, eight, half a dozen. All right. And how many compound hunters? Do you yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, and that's what I mean, like yeah. being realistic. And so, again, and this is just us talking shit, but 
when you when you look at it or whatever from one area to another, it would not make me depressed to make a unit for goat, a unit for sheep, and a unit for uh, not moose. Um, maybe not even sheep, but maybe sheep, maybe goat, maybe deer, uh, maybe elk. One unit, a stick bow unit. It's not going to hurt my feelings. But again, it's not going to hurt my feelings if they don't. Where the problem lies, or where all the shit is, is technology. And and will seasons get shortened? I hear one when we talk with Harold, where Harold went down, where they don't even take archers into the equation for harvest statistics. Yeah, is what I know. the DOW told them. Yeah, no. Well, then I'm like, well, what the fuck's the Garmin Zero site? <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like, exactly. That's and that's the point. And see, in for Colorado, and, and uh, you know, again, agency folks that are listening to this that I haven't talked to or haven't gotten, I apologize, but you know, in the past. Archery has, in my opinion, the value of archery season and hunting has been shit. They they don't. And we've got, I know for a fact right now to this day, we have senior wildlife officials that have zero to very low uh, uh, value for archery season. And quite honestly, it, it, quite honestly... If they thought they could get away with it without public, they'd just get rid of it. Yeah, they, they don't, and I've I'm heard like, that many and, times. And I don't understand that because that's the segment of hunting that is growing. Yep. Why in the hell are we sitting here talking about trying to limit archery hunting and limit bow? Like, freaking adjust. Start looking at bow hunting as a legitimate tool. It is. It's a legitimate tool and an opportunity on the landscape. Instead of trying to say, well, you know, this is getting out of hand because now we're, we're screwing with our rifle hunters. Uh, sorry, things change. No, it's okay, rifle hunters. Uh, you know what? Guess what? Tides are changing, and now we've got this is where are hunters coming into the field? Where are new hunters coming in? If we are increasing the number of bow hunters on the landscape, why are we not managing our populations and our hunting opportunities for more bow hunting? Why are we not? shifting our value set from an agency standpoint, a wildlife management and a harvest management standpoint. Drives me nuts. And you think about it to go to fishing, okay? Now, you've never fly fished much. She comes from a family of fishermen. But let's say the lake where we caught all those one. Okay. Let's say that goes to fly fishing only. I bet Amy takes up fly fishing. Yes, okay, so that's, okay. I was, that's where I was going to go. If yeah. you make a unit that's you know a good unit that's it's just a trad bow only unit, how many people because they're like you they're like holy shit they're oh. not I'll pick up a trad bow. Brian said the same thing, which would be good for traditional archery, which wouldn't wouldn't hurt my feelings. Sure. So, but the, what would it do for wounding loss? Who knows, right? Because, because how many are going to go through Joel stuff? How many are going to go down to Tom Clum and actually get it right? But the same argument can be made. I can go pick up 40 compound shooters that I could outshoot with my stick bow that shouldn't be in the woods anyway. No, that's – yes, you're right. But are you the norm? Mm, no, but I that's practice my, enough. But those but people – But are they going to do that? They're the norm. That's my point. No, no, no. You, those compound people are the norm. They're the norm in the field yes. with a compound, so they shouldn't be hunting either. No, but that my point is those are the people that would bail and go over to trad. It's the same argument. That's a guess, though. Uh, I bet you would because I th- I have a feeling I you would get elite, some. I think oh you get some. I'm not gonna. I, I wouldn't argue that at all. You'll get some. But m- what I would say most is the people that want to enhance their season and opportunity. The real killers are gonna pick up the stick bow. There may be some inconsequential in the middle, but for the most part, right now, if you said, "Hey, Chris, Unit 201 in 2020 is going to stick bow only." 
you got about a hundred percent chance to draw oh, high ninety. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, you're probably gonna call me or there's call no, the There's not enough. Well, yeah. How many tags do they give out there? I don't. Yeah, yeah. Your your eyes. Yeah, yeah, your eyes <laughs> of drawing just went through the freaking roof. So yeah, and that's what I mean. Like it can be swayed both ways. But the I will argue with the argument though of with um, the wounding rate. From what we see, there is a bunch of chuckle puppets that grab their compound a week before season and shoot. So the wounding rate, I don't think, with the stick bow and the compound is inconsequential up to me because there's as many people, and I mean a little bit crow on this, um, there's as many people wounding with a compound as a stick bow, sheer numbers. No, right? and, and, and and I can't argue that either. Right? You're, you're right. But yeah. Now, I'm not saying there's guys with a stick bow that suck because there are, okay? And with them, me getting beat up now soon. Um, Clay Hayes was a guy that we went round and round and round about this imposed distance and wounding or whatever. And my point was, it, because he was saying it doesn't change or whatever. And, 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 and here's my point, um, kind of a point, is if your effective distance with a stick bow is 20, you should never pass that. And I'm like, well, you were human. If a 195-inch deer comes in at 27, yeah. tell me how many humans aren't shooting. Same with a compound, though. Oh, yeah, and I yeah. will, you know, whatever, agree with that. You know, that happens with a compound. But, what, yeah, I guess where I'm getting at is I don't know how much it would matter because the stick bow numbers are so low. And this is when I was talking about earlier. If the stick bow numbers were higher, one, there's more pull, right? You have more of a voice. We don't have a voice right now to speak of. And I get hate mail over this, but suck it. It's true. I mean, you, no, it, take you're absolutely vote, right. You don't, have, you don't have the numbers. And in the past, some of the people that have been vocal have been very polarizing. Yeah, well, and I got to see them firsthand. I mean, remember when I said uh, when you first pick up, if you were effective with a compound and you go to a stick bow, be prepared to wound and miss more. Oh, my fucking Christ. You would have thought I slept with their wife. They did. Oh, you fucking don't know what you're doing. New guy in the industry. You Dude, suck. Oh, you're no, the fucking yeah. end of archery is yeah. what I was getting. And I'm like, I would argue I brought more people into traditional archery than just about anyone in the last 10 years. And I'm being realistic. Yeah. You are going to, if it was the same, everybody would be, be doing, fucking doing yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my point was, is for a guy going from 40 to 50, 60, 70 yards, whatever, going to a stick it's going to be hard to him to have that imposed distance. Yes, in a perfect world, there's going to be a self-imposed distance everybody follows. I never have, and I'm like most humans. Now, there is a distance that I just won't shoot. Um, it was quite farther for me than other people, but you're the same way. If, if you feel comfortable at 40, all right, and you tell yourself 40 is all I got, and you're on the seventh day of a hunt and something comes out at 44, you're probably oh, going to shoot. Suddenly, yes, 44 uh, is not... Four yards, yeah. yeah, okay, so... With a stick bow, most guys can't shoot over 20. There's there's people that can. But something comes out at 31 if you're anti-rangefinder. How the fuck do you know anyway, right? Oh, there's a big animal. You're going to shoot at it. You can't argue these points. Like, you can't be anti-rangefinder and then all of a sudden magically every fucking stick bow hunter has a rangefinder in their hand. Yeah. It's a guess. And I'm going to say that that guess is going to be guessing closer because the antlers made it more, oh, yeah, that's doable. I can make that shot. We're humans. This is getting way off subject to what we first started on. But <laughs> my thing was, like, with the polarizing people, um, and I'm polarizing, so what the fuck am I saying? So, but, hey, so am I. Yeah. I, I. <laughs> but it is hard to get people in traditional archery 
initially because you don't have a lot of cool factors in it. Bingo. I did it on a fucking joke to prove people wrong. Yeah. I, now, did I know I would fall in love with it? No. I, I did it to say, hey, I did it. You guys are full of shit, right? And then yeah. I just fall, fall in love with it. So it's a hard sell. Yeah. No, um, exactly. And, and so unless you're doing it for specific reasons, most people that walk into the range as a kid or as, you know, some of them might grab a stick bow. And as they're shooting at 10 and hitting a stop sign, and they look over to the guy shooting quarters at 20, initially they're probably going to be like, man, I, th- I think I am going to pick up a compound, right? Because they haven't been down this long road of maybe they're tired of a compound or they don't like yeah, it. They, they don't know. No. They no. want much and, more efficient. And Amy right now picked up a compound. Now, I will say she just picked up a recurve yesterday and she was like all kinds of addicted to it, but she's also not hunting, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So. You know, it, 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 one I'm saying is as traditional, as a traditional archer now, increasing numbers in traditional archery is very, very important to me. Two, there also is the, we have to get along. There's got to be, yeah. you know, it, it, like you said, archers eating archers. Um, and this goes for everything across the board, get, trying to get along because there's strength in numbers. Do you really think that anti hunters, um, are arguing about how to hate hunting? Probably yeah, no. not. Well, right? not as, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, there have been times where I've, I've really enjoyed watching some anti-hunt or the animal activist community eat, eat themselves. But, but no, I, I think you're. I mean, if you look at how, okay, so if you want to get somebody in hunting, and you want to get them into archery, uh, eat, eat, let's just put it this way: you want to get them into an early season, okay? Whether it's a trad bow, compound, or crossbow. Let's just put crossbows in there for a second. What is that new person, prob- especially if we're talking about Gen Z, you know, and youth type folks, which ones are they going to be most likely attracted to? The discipline and labor and um, control, you know, all, all of the practice and the slow development of trad shooting, or are they going to go to that compound's really cool, or are they going to go to a that crossbow is really cool. I've seen, this is just me and this, and I'm not involved with as much as you guys are here in, in Colorado. Now, the trajectory that I have seen is that people come into archery because they like the ooh cool part of it. They get in, they, if they like it and they stay, they develop. And some of those people that develop go traditional. I don't see these days, a lot of people going into traditional, going through that and then saying, okay, I'm going to move to compound. It just doesn't seem to go that o- way. Only if they're like a young age or a female initially. Yeah. Is the and only that's just age. a taste. They're just getting a taste out there with a youth range or whatever, but they usually, it's usually when you have, and if we're talking about a long-term, uh, passionate trad person, nowadays, and I'm not talking about what happened 20 years ago. I'm talking about these days. In my opinion, I think they are people like you that are, I've been there, done that. I've become accomplished with a compound. I want to increase my challenge level. I want to test myself. And so they move into the trad world. If, and, that's the, and this was my argument a long time ago. Again, here we are down another rabbit hole because I still want to kick your butt on a freaking debate. Um, <laughs> so, you know, 
if we are, it's it's a it's a kind of catch twenty two. You've got people that are out there that are saying we need to increase hunting. We need to get more. We're losing hunters. We need to increase youth. We need to get more people. You know, we we need to capture more people and get them into hunting. But God damn it, we have too many hunters in the field and there's too much pressure. And and I I don't want more people in my area, so I want a trad season so I can have my own. Whoa 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 whoa. Which is it? Do we need more people in the field? Do we need more hunters, or do we need less hunter pressure? I, you know, I think there's both, but the problem is, is we, we can't argue that we need to get more people. I don't know. Maybe I just went way off on a tangent, but I, I guess I look at it as we need to be getting, how, how can we utilize this to get more people, more numbers on our voice? From a habitat wildlife guy, I you know I would like to see our agencies trying to increase wildlife populations and doing more habitat work and and so that there's more you know I, I just gave this example um, well shoot uh, Andrew Munsell Hamsky came yeah, out with yeah, his yeah, daughter yeah. with us to to hunt and it was her very very first hunt it was awesome I mean like as this was her footstep into the hunting world this was her very first hunt. Um, so they came out to do some doe hunts with us. And so I sat there and I talked to them. I'm like, all right, so kind of, what do you want to do? Do you want to kind of just, you know, where do you want to go? How far can she shoot? Okay. It's, you know, basically she was using a rifle, but it might as well have been a bow. You know, she wanted him really close. So I told him, I said, I- I'm going to put you in the bluegill pond. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the ground blind where you're going to be, dude, there was 150 deer in the field around the ground. I don't know how they didn't smell. They were literally <laughs> 150 deer around that ground blind. Yeah. But that's the thing is you, you take new hunters, you capture new hunters by putting them in places where they have lots of critters, lots of activity, lots of cool factor to where it just, it enraptures them and they want to do it more. That's where we need to be having the debate and the argument, not, how do I fragment myself? How do I get my own little piece of the pie? I don't want more hunter pressure. I don't want more crowding. I don't. You can't have it both ways. I if, think you can if it's uh, managed accordingly. Uh, there you. Okay. <laughs> yes, I agree with. Okay. Yes. So I, well, if, you you were going off on your tangent earlier, which I agree is confusing because, well, I mean, I say confusing. Uh, to me, I think the the strength in numbers, right? You yeah. got to get more people into hunting. But I think what needs to coincide that is the management of the increased hunters. Now, if if yes. rifle season is decreasing or staying the same, keep it the same. You know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Without knowing the numbers, if 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 hunter opportunity, you know, all these things, equations going well, I think like over the counter with caps, okay, yeah, or, yeah. or or a draw over the counter, meaning you know you got to actually do some labor. That's going to weed out the week anyway. Okay, you're still a a hunter, right? So define a hunter. Okay. Well, to me, a hunter is somebody that doesn't vote against hunting. I don't give a fuck yeah, if you hunt if you're, or not. If you're sabotaging yeah. yourself, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and this is where, and I've had somebody else bring this up to me, which is it? And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, what's a hunter? Okay. Me, a hunter is someone that is pro hunting. Doesn't fucking mean you go hunting. That means you're pro hunting. Then you're a hunter. Okay. So does that mean you grab a, a weapon and go into the field? Not necessarily. But we need more people on our side. That may be the someone that occasionally goes and hunts birds, but they're going to vote for oh, hunting. Oh, exactly. You've okay? got people that just upland bird hunt or just just waterfowl hunt. That yeah. may be the person that occasionally goes on a party hunt for elk with a bunch of other buddies once every three years. He's still a hunter. Okay. You're talking about hardcore every year hunters. Those hunters need to be managed. I need. I feel we need to increase pro hunting. Okay. But do I want 17 jack wagons at the trailhead? Not really. And I want to say 17, but let, depending. But, but let me let me devil's advocate. 
Okay, most people that complain about Hunter pressure, what was the problem? What? Okay, let me ask you this question. Point. This is not rhetorical. But I'm asking you this question. When you sit there and say there were 17 jack wagons on the mountain, what was it that you did not like about that? Oh, experience of that specific hunter. And again, no, no, no. That what, is... So from your so what? What did you not like? about encountering those 17 other people up there. Oh, increased pressure on the animals, okay. which is what I'm talking about. All right, now, Manage. let me flip that around. If you had three times as number, no, if you had, no, if you had 17 times the number of animals on that mountain, yeah. would those other 17 hunters make, be a problem? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you think you, so? Most of the t- most they'd... of the time, well, yeah, but if you've got more critters up, see that's the thing. Most of the time when people complain about hunter crowding and hunter pressure, it's because they ran into other people and it screwed up their hunt or they at least thought it screwed up their hunt because they either didn't kill something, they didn't see something, they had more challenges getting on animals. However, well, I can look in my situation and when you carefully man- if you manage for increased population, you're going to have more encounters to where I think... Let me dive e- into that deeper. Most people aren't physically capable of doing what I'm doing. No, correct. But I'm talking about the average guy. You're going to park at the trailhead. You're going to go maybe... But you, you are asking me, will that affect it? Me? Probably not. Everyone else? Even probably it, even so. It, I don't know. I think if, well, if, we were, if we were managing our population, increasing population numbers, and, and folks had, I, I think people reduce. Well, hold you, on. Can you keep up with me on the, in the field walking? Of course I can. Okay. I'm joking. But if you can, you can follow those animals. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I mean, that wasn't a yeah, big yeah. dick thing. That, yeah, you're no. good, right? Okay. You go in and you're, and I guess I'm looking at, just so we're on the same page, most of the people that made it to that mountain- had to turn around where we were, okay? Yeah. There was half. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the other half stayed. Out of that half, four of them were killed. Five were killers, okay? The other ones were fucking outclassed, okay? Those people that were outclassed, or I don't say outclassed, but they, they, their depth. They, yeah, okay, they, they extended themselves beond what they really should have. All right, you ask them how their hunt was this year. Probably going to be a little bit different than how my hunt was. Because they could not, and I'm being realistic. Okay. If they fill out a survey, their hunt's probably not going to be as good because they weren't physically prepared to do what was necessary to get the job done. But I think okay? I make, you're making my point because if if possibly so increased look, numbers. Yeah. If 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 they not if they ran into if, the quality deer that they wanted at a mile no in, fucking dumb deer. It's going to hang around to camp when you can't leave it. I don't fucking how many deer are there? They're not going to hang around a basin you're stuck to. You can't physically leave from because you weren't fit enough to get there. You know, wild animals, how many deer, good deer, are hanging around a stinky guy that, no, that it, are going to hang out? They're leaving the area. Correct. However, how many people complain about their hunt when they're constantly seeing animals, engaging animals, oh, having all, opportunities? All of them. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that at all. And. Having said that, I complained about my hunt to a degree because I said there was a bunch of more people back there than I could believe. And I didn't, I, you know, being, yeah. you know, saying, hey, I don't want you. I had a good hunt. I had an amazing hunt. Um, having said that, nine miles in and having all those people there. Now, I'm not saying You're they going need nine to miles in partly because you want the solitude as well. You want well, quality animals. 100%. If you would have told me I would have had a better hunt by the road, I still would have hiked in. There you go. So I don't think a lot of people are like that, though. Yeah, but I just They're said lazy. that. I mean, I agree yeah. with that. So- 
But, you know, let's take it out of the realm of, like, extreme backpack hunting, okay? Let's take it more to the road hunt up two miles in and back. Um, when you talk about, incre- you know, the numbers and the population and everything else, um, you know, how much of that is affected by inexperience? I would say a lot, okay, of, of the, the, the hunter having a – there's not – there's a reason 10% of the hunters kill 90% sure. of the animals, okay? So you're not going to really give – everyone an animal but when you can scientifically prove that there's issues or let's say scientifically roughly scientifically prove there's less animals or increased harvest you know that's when i think then there's the argument is made to where you raise or lower uh the tags now it can't be argued over the counter units in my opinion are overpopulated anywhere you go now you hunt an over the counter unit yeah is it overpopulated or getting overpopulated where you're at with hunters, yeah, I, that's see that's the thing that drives me absolutely batshit crazy. Is I, I want to know where these reduction in hunters numbers is really going yeah, because, because you're not I'm, seeing I'm, it, right? No, no, no. But that's archery. That's right. I think exactly. archery is climbing. We like are insulated. We are insulated. So I think you can absolutely say that there's probably. Well, and see, oh, golly, another well, fucking rabbit hole. So <laughs> the the thing is, is you know, you, the, the the the. Back in the day, you also had people that would buy a hunting license just because ah, I might go. And they would just have it and they'd have a rifle and they, they might have it because, oh, maybe my family's going to go. Oh, maybe we'll go. With the guy. And it was just kind of, a, oh, maybe we'll do something. But now it seems like you either hunt or you don't. You yeah. know what I mean? So how much of that is ancillary reduction of, eh, now yeah. we've we've kind of really kind of honed in on. We used to go to school with a, a shotgun on the back rack of our truck. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't have that anymore. We we just don't. Have, it's it's just a different world. But is it because we're actually quote unquote losing the number of actual hunters in the field, or are we just prioritizing a little bit different? I don't know. But I'm not seeing a well, reduction. If you, if you ask my daughter, she's a hunter. She'd say yes. Yeah. She's never hunted anything. Well, she shot the gun and shit. She probably shouldn't have, like squirrels or something. But yeah, she's a hunter. But she's not a hunter. She never, yeah. not, you know, but again, when you talk, and I agree with you on the, because <laughs> it's like, I hear about all the reduction or whatever, and Department of Wildlife's talking about it, whatever yeah. else, and I'm not seeing it, but it could also be I'm insulated, and from dickheads like me promoting backpack hunting, the yeah. days of being alone back there are, are gone, okay? There's a no, lot of you, other you'll hardcore see, dudes. There's places you'll see more people in the backcountry than you will Within a mile of the road. Oh, no, with, without a doubt. And so for me, I'm always going to backpack hunt. I just like that aspect of it. You know, I do other, like Alberta, right? I go up there, I, I hunt by the road. Um, so, but as far as, you know, the conversion for me is, is, I guess what I was getting at earlier is I want people more to understand hunting for what it is. So when something comes down to a vote, we don't look like bloodthirsty killers yeah. that are, you know, mindless or whatever. And, and Amy and I've talked about this with your mom and understanding the circle of life. What? Give you an example. Iron Will posted, which sucks because I shot it with a Valkyrie, but whatever. My mountain lion. Yeah. And a guy got on there and posted, "This guy's a joke." I am very confrontational, so I sent that guy a message and uh, big muscled up dude. And I was like, "Dude, you, why, why do you have an issue?" D- is that all he said? Was this guy's a joke? Mm-hmm. Um, this fucking crazy story. Uh, <laughs> this guy's a joke. So I sent him a message. I said, "Hey, dude. I said I saw your comment where you called me a joke. I was polite. Yeah. And I just said, is there uh, something there? Have we had an issue before?" And he sent back a relatively lengthy um, about you know the whole predator management thing is a joke. Um, you know. 
you guys no. always say that when you shoot a wolf or whatever, it's for predator management. You need to leave those animals alone. And, he okay. and I, so I sent back and I sent links and I said, um, one was that mountain lion eating that mule deer. One was a wolf yanking a calf out of its mom. And then I sent the statistics of the grizzly or the brown bears eating all the moose in Alaska and, and on and on and on. And then I said, hey, man, I think you should do some more research before you just spot off the hip because predator management is a big problem. It needs to happen. And I said, I understand from the outside looking in from the, the um, uninitiated, mm -hmm. you don't know. You see a cat getting shot, you don't like it. But it's important for me that you research this. Turns out we served in the same unit in the military. He was under Sergeant Tetralt. He lives right down the road, um, which he didn't know. And I was like, dude, come on down. He's like, what, do you want me to get my ass kicked? And I'm like, dude, dude we'll hop on the podcast. Just Let's freaking, talk about yeah, this. Exactly. And uh, I said, come on down. That's me converting someone to yeah. not an anti, to yeah. a neutral point to where he may think about it. Okay, now- how many fucking retard? I'm not supposed to use the R word. Sorry, Isaac. Um, how many people hop on uh, some bandwagon somewhere and put that horrible foot forward for hunting? Right. Oh yeah. Uh, you know that's what we don't want. And so when I talk about the hunter numbers, I'm talking about pro hunters and more hunters in the field in some cases. But the management needs to go along the lines with that. I'm all for, and I got some hate mail from out of state hunters because I said the draw should be 80 20, 80 10, like every other state. Uh, oh, you dream about whatever. And I'm like, hey, man, look, take your own home state and look at that. Like, yeah, yeah. you can't, you know, they said, they said I was being a selfish asshole. And I was like, really? Because I looked through our history of messages. And motherfucker, I've answered everything you've ever asked me in the last yeah, yeah, two yeah. years for free. You don't own a Kafaru pack, yeah. right? You own my competitor's pack. I've given you units to hunt in. Yeah. And I'm selfish because I spoke to, would you rather me be like most everybody else and fucking lie? I'm telling you the truth. I would like my hunt to be better. Not just mine. When you draw, I want your hunt to be better as well. And for some guys, I totally get it. They just want to get out here. Right. They yeah, want to yeah. come out west. I understand that. And I am very um, sympathetic to that. Um, but I would like for them to come out and actually kill an elk. Some of those same people have come out here seven years. Department of Wildlife loves them. Fucking they're going to retire off the money they make because they certainly aren't killing anything. Uh, we ran at two guys that came in here. They came up, grabbed Dana, they came back and got me. They questions, right? They hiked all day. They got into elk, which is the you know the ass running away. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's there's where you fucked up, right? You don't hike all day, right? Yeah. That does not conduce the wind swirls. And I'm explaining this. They were so happy to just come out west. They yeah, just they didn't care. They didn't care. Yeah, they didn't care. I love that. It's great. But coming from a guy that wants to put an animal on the ground, I really don't want that guy going through my honey hole, right? So. You know, is that mean that that's going to get hunters out of there? No. I mean, there's still going to be guys that are just happy to be out here running around in the woods. But again, I would have to, I would argue in the state of Colorado that an over-the-counter with CAPS unit, w there would be anything negative for that uh, season, for for that, other than revenue laid on me. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I just... Uh, I don't know. I maybe I've gotten biased now that I've you know you start managing critters and seeing what you can achieve yeah. with habitat, you know, really quality habitat management. Uh, I, uh, 
I, I say open the freaking door and let me get in there and manage the habitat, and I'll freaking put more deer and elk and everything in. But your, you know, just that then you the, won't have. But that's the, the same thing. I wouldn't disagree with that either, right? I mean, I'm not when I'm saying manage. If no one's going to manage habitat or or yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right. So manage if you're managing what you got, yeah, I mean, man, manage what you've got. And so let's take um, when you talk about management though. And uh, so okay, you're talking so, about hunter management in the existing landscape that we have. Well, let's take Amy. All right, Amy wants to go on a hunt. What's the first hunt you think I'll bring her on? I always took people on a pronghorn hunt or something like that. No, I'm get, talking anywhere in the United States. Oh, whitetail. Just take her to a freaking whitetail or turkey. Yes, yeah, or turkey. Either one. Okay. Why wouldn't I take her on an over-the-counter backpack hunt for elk or exactly. off the side of the road? Mountain goats. Put in for mountain goat. That'll be your friend. Exactly. Actually, you know what? It's the it's the proverbial blue goat. goat. It's a it's the proverbial bluegill pond. I'm not the mountain goat because she's going to get one, right? I mean, she will get a mountain goat. In Colorado, I, that would be one of the first hunts I would take her on is mountain goat because we're going to see white fluffy mountain goats and she's going to kill a mountain goat. So the reason why is, okay, these are attainable things. I can get her in shape. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's all I need to do for a mountain goat. I'm going to be beside her the rest of the way. Okay, it doesn't matter how much shape I get her in for an over-the-counter elk hunt. If I can't get her there, if there's too many hunters scaring the shit out of them. Cannot, even you, who is one of the better callers around, you cannot guarantee, I can guarantee you I will get her a mountain next year. For any amount of money, I'll bet we will get her a goat. Okay? On a, on a, on a draw yeah, tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you guarantee her an elk and an over-the-counter tag? No. Could Do you think I could guarantee her at least a shot at a goat with a bow next year? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I think not, so. not mountain, or not yeah. pronghorn, mountain yeah, yeah, goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is I what I'm so. getting at, and I'm glad you said mountain goat, because I would pick mountain goat first, because what do you got when you check the boxes? Epic, right? You got epic. All right, what do you got? You got fitness, right? So you've got the exertion. You got lots of white fluffy creatures, and you got a high percent of success. Okay, take that away. Elk, what do you got? You might have epic. After that, it's a fucking crapshoot on an over-the-counter tag. Well, but yeah, yeah. Because of what? Is it habitat, or is it elk numbers, or is it it is it increased hunters? Yes. All three. I think it's all three. Yeah. And I mean, and see, that's, that's the thing is I can't, and, but, and that's why I think maybe I'm I'm jaded on this because I just do not like seeing limited. I don't like seeing things go limited because in my opinion, a lot of the reason why it's going limited is because the population is not reaching the, the population of critters is not living up to its potential. And so we are exerting. But limited makes that population go up. I know. I Well, kind of, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, you're right. It, it kind of maybe, but so, but the thing is, is I don't know. I, well, I, I see again. I just I'll go right back to what we just talked about a little bit with the 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 trad season only. I get it, I understand it, I don't like it, yeah. but I understand it. I I, I see where it's going, but it's and a point I to and, talk and about. we've seen it, and we've seen it in other units. We've seen places go limited draw because of the number of hunters in there. We, one of the places I hunt, it is it all. It, it's an over the counter area. And for decades now, it's been one of those things, those comments, it's just a little, it's just this chronic, just every now and then it surfaces on, do we make this a limited area? Because well, the number of people in here is just excessive. Where Jay's at, okay? Right, okay. Jay Scott. Wait, uh, in Arizona or Ot 6? Arizona. Okay. All right, so where he's at down there, 
What'd you say the average bull he got? Oh, he he's the upper end of that. He's he's that. Well, back when he was doing well, while he has not guided elk down there for a couple years because he's working with the odd six. But back in the day when he was rocking and rolling in unit nine, he was one of the upper echelon guys. They they would re, re, routinely three fifty plus. Okay, you put Jay in unit twenty eight thirty seven three seventy one. Yeah, what's his going to be? What what he won? He won't stay in business, but maybe he would. What's going to be his uh, success ratio and what size archery season? He's going to have a very high level of success, but absolutely the size is going to be much, much less. Right. And in those units or whatever, he cannot go on private land. Correct. Ever. Okay. Only over the counter wilderness and national forest. Yep. Okay. So right now he's going to go down in numbers in... in, uh, I would guess he's, and I'm only using Jay because he's friends. He's going to go down in, I mean, I would imagine in nine, he was upwards of 90% success ratio. Probably right. But you're taught, but you're, if, okay, let's make it apple. Well, shoot, maybe you don't want apples. I don't want apples. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my whole point. Over the counter is never going to be like that. And that's a given because it's over the counter. Correct. Nine is how it is because it's how it's managed. Well, you could argue at unit nine now, and that's the problem. You you might only be giving out 100 tags, yeah. but there's five guys for every hunter, so there's 500 people in there. You literally could have I've, – I've actually had more pressure in crazy hunter conflict in unit nine than I've had on over-the-counter. Which is a good point. So let's say – that is because that is that coveted of a tag yep. and people's hearts are in it that much. You get that tag, you're expecting a big bull yeah. and you want it, which you fucking guys are part of that problem. That's, oh, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, so No, exactly. But it, my point being in that, when you're saying that with Jay, I want you to understand the context of, yes, you're saying over the counter. Yes, you're talking about a, a premier unit. But keep in mind, with all that crazy bullshit. Yeah. He's still polling ninety percent harvest success rate on just big bulls, so he's got the skills to get it done on over the counter. But I think oh, the issue I, is, I think the issue is just you're talking about a quality antler size. Of course, it's going to go down. Right, right. And I'm not. It, this doesn't have anything to do with this. I, I brought it in because of his ability. He, yes, he is still going to have good success in over the counter. Size wise is never going to. You know, it's just not. It, oh yeah, they're just oh, not yeah. there. Right. So. When you look at that, okay, so that should be the same for, you know, everybody has the same opportunity in an over-the-counter area, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why it's over-the-counter. But would it be better for the people that get that tag to have a better chance, or is it better to have even more come in? That's See, and that is the absolute um, time-tested... Well, and that's what moral, I. That, that's a value, and this and Jay literally Jay and I have had this discussion numerous times privately, just on the phone. That is it. That is where. That is literally a personal values debate. That is your value versus someone. And I'm, I'm not being accusatory. I'm saying your value is maybe I'll hunt every other year and have a unbelievably high quality hunt. Yeah. There's other people who are like, I don't give a shit about whether I have a high quality experience. I just want to get the freaking hell out there and have a chance at, at putting some meat in the freezer. Right. Which that chance is less than 1% for most. For most. But there's some people that that's not that they don't care. 
they are going into those places knowing full well that their their chance for success may be slim. I'm actually literally talking about that at the ISC right now, and I'm talking about the associated risks of strategies you employ. Yeah. Because that's a value set. That's exactly right. It's a different value set, and I think the conflict. I'm, I'm, and I'm not, again, I'm not being accusatory here, because I I see it. I think that's whether you're talking trad versus compound. We're talking compound versus crossbow. We're talking about archery, or, or you know, archery versus rifle, or Here's the other one: primitive versus non-primitive. We're talking. We're talking about all these communities that are made up of individuals that share some level of common value set. And and um, well, there you go. They uh, some you know common value set, and then they adjust or that they evaluate their value set with someone else's value set. And now all of a sudden we start getting these conflicts, and I think that's why maybe maybe this kind of clarified it. I guess we we've gone so freaking all over the place, but that's why I usually am so against you know separating seasons or making things limited or do, it's because usually it becomes this issue of different competing value sets. I'll well, go back to what we're saying: just freaking get people out there, man. Well, well, hold on though, because <laughs> we because we have limited units. Right, we, we don't need uh, to have all limited units. Okay, but you're saying we don't need to have all limited units. Okay, so you're on a biological standpoint or scientific, the the number, right? Okay, this is the number of elk that are supposed to be here. Okay, which is within which is a guess, right? But carrying okay. capacity, blah blah blah. Okay, so why are unit ten two hundred one? Why are those numbers so low? Because that that population is fairly high. Numbers of hunters? Yeah, no, numbers of animals. Why are the number of hunters so low when the animal population is so high? Because they've decided to manage those areas for a higher quality hunt experience. So they manage for higher bull to cow ratio, less hunters. It's, 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 it is a management decision to limit hunters for a maximum hunter quality or experience. hunt quality. Yes. Yeah, okay, which is kind of what I'm leading up to. Yeah. Okay, so... If a hunter quality, which actually for me, I don't like those units because of the terrain yeah, right, yeah. or whatever. But, um, okay, so if that is an 8 to a 10 of, you know, 10 being the highest, uh, an over-the-counter unit, depending upon what you're looking for, for the animal size is a 1 to 2. Um, Could maybe be. a 3. Yeah, yep. depending yeah, upon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's some honey holes. Yep. But, okay, so then you have all the other units that are draws. You 49, 76, whatever, you, yeah, everything can, in the middle. You name it, 40, Okay, yeah. so... How many of those people's votes would skew that have gone five to seven years without shooting one once they actually got into a good unit and actually had multiple call-ins and actually killed one? Because I think a lot of people are voting have never actually had that experience. Or not voting. A lot of people getting mad. A, a lot of people's value set is based on their previous experience when they don't have the experience uh, that you're talking about from which to judge it is what you're saying. They have not experienced that just in, that bugle fest or what Jay calls yeah. a meatball of just freaking just elk. Yeah, the, the happy circle on. of okay, shit yeah. happening. Yep. Yeah, they haven't experienced that. And that's a great point because I, I talked to, I, this was when my uncle and my nephew, he wanted to use an elk hunt as um, uh, incentive to get his grades up. But my nephew was like, or not nephew, but I mean, uh, cousin, um, he was like, well, I, I don't know. I said, I said, John, the reason why is because he doesn't know what an elk hunt is. He's never experienced an elk hunt. So it's an, it's an abstract idea. Yep. I said, the best thing you can do is take him on a cool elk hunt 
once. And then if the kid is like, this is awesome, this is the greatest thing ever, now, now it is a leverage. Now it's an incentive. So you're right. I I get your point. What you're saying is the the folks that have have only ever struggled to, you know, kill a two and a half year old bull every once every four years. On a good. That's good. Okay. Are not experiencing the type of hunt you could get in 61 or 201 or, you know, so if you, what's your argument, I think what your argument is saying, if they knew about that experience yes. and they had experienced it, would they change their mind and say, yeah, I want, I want a more quality hunt. I don't think all of them would. I just think some of them Might. would. So if I can hunt, you know, the whole thing boils down to you want to hunt every year. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. and, and that's where, okay. So, this was something I brought up is I didn't say what the level of the caps were. Okay. So here's my thing. How many people just don't put in because they're lazy and they're not what I would call a dedicated hunter? I say we don't care about those anyway, but I'm not as worried about those anyway. So let's say that cap was an astronomically high number. We're just weeding out some of the week, right? We're just getting rid of the ones that really buy a tag to buy a tag and may show up a little bit, but don't really care. They're still going to vote for hunting, but it's just a little step to show that you do want to come out and hunt, right? So people hear the word caps. Fuck, what if the cap was a million? You and I are arguing for no reason. Okay, let me, okay, let me, so, let me flip that around then. If you, if, you want a, if you want a better hunt, so what you're saying is you want a better hunt experience. You would like to see more areas that have a better hunt experience. For everyone. For everyone. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, two, two things. This is, again, I, in my opinion— I like what Colorado has done as far as how, if you want to make an area, a limited draw area, I love their system. I like everything but the point system because it's confusing oh, yeah, and it yeah, doesn't yeah, really yeah. work. Yeah, so I, I like agree. What, so if people don't know, Colorado, say, say you take uh, an over-the-counter unit, okay? And you're like, man, this really needs to be limited draw. They have a public process in place where you poll hunters in that area, you poll businesses in that area, you poll the landowners in that area, you poll, you bring all the people that are in that area affected by a change, you bring them all to the table. And if they're like, yeah, we get behind this, then it can go to that public process and the DOW can say, okay, fine, everybody wants this to, and, and it can happen. So it's a really good, pro, it's a really good process. It's not arbitrary. You know what I mean? Yep. So I like how they have it. However, I really like the fact that we've got some areas, it, it, we've got over-the-counter areas that are shit. We've got over-the-counter areas that are really good if you if you know what you're doing. We've got over-the-counter areas that are freaking epic if you can get yourself in there like you. We've got limited draw units that take one, zero, or they'll take one, two, three, five points. Then we've got some of the premier. We've got a good mix across the landscape. It's the same thing I look at, like you know, people advocate for wilder, more wilderness, more Bullshit. We've got good wilderness. In my opinion, this is just simply my opinion. If we take care of what we have. We've yes. got good wilderness. We've got good roadless. And we've got places where you can beat the shit out of it with a with a quad. I like that juxtaposition. Now, there's some people who say, no, it needs to all be roadless because we need, we need, you know, kill. screw you. There are people out there that don't, that are, that are a little bit older, maybe mobility impaired, maybe they got kids, maybe they just don't value a backpack hunt, but we've got a good mix I think, across the landscape to encompass all value sets within the hunting community and recreation community to where, yes, we are going in a free society, we are going to engage one another and we are going to have conflicts of values. 
But that's just what society is. We, we've got that balance. Now, I will raise you your, or I, I will see your desire for an increased quality of experience and ask you this. What if instead of making it a limited, you know, over the counter with caps or a limited draw unit, what if we say, no, 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 get rid of the five inch eye guard. Yeah. Yeah. Make it a five point bull unit or better. Yeah. I think there has been, you can show some places where point restrictions has made a difference on population because now you are allowed and, and quite honestly, for archery hunters, most of the time, it, it, uh, well, I can't say that. Now, I'm going to stop. Uh, you make it, a, a, you make units a more a legit five point unit or better. Five by five. It's got to have a five point on both sides. Not this like three by five. No, five by five or better unit. Period. Yeah. Now, what are we doing? What we're doing is we are allowing that bull population component to reach a older age class. Yeah. Which means now we have a more diverse age class structure. When you get a more diverse age class structure, what do you end up having? More communication, more conf- interspecific conflict. What does that create? Bugling. Yeah, better conf- hunt because now, you're getting the if, hunt. Yes. Yeah. Now you're dealing with a situation where the population is emulating more like those limited draw units because the elk population is in there that is, is closer. But we're not necessarily limiting the number of guys that guys and gals that can go in there and enjoy it. Now, the 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 flip side of the argument would be is okay, Chris. For two years, you know, people don't kill young bulls, but then once everything becomes a five point, well, now we're back to having the same number of bulls killed, and it's the same age class. Possibly, possibly, yeah. <laughs> because what? Yes, because yes, because possibly because now once you put a, a you go from a year and a half bull to a two and a half, there's a small step in the education of that bull and and well, his smarts. Yeah, and I mean, and if you go from two and a half to three and a half or four and a half to five and a half, that's a different animal. Now it's a different engagement. The opportunity for hunters to be out there is there. Now they get to hear more bugling. They get to hear more. See more and activity the and elk engage it. Smarter, but humans generally don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately and I make my money by giving an educational service to try to make people smarter. Well, yes. it's just a fact of life that um, what an elk learns in one season compared to a human is a thousand oh, percent increase yes. or whatever. Yes. So, I mean, this is where we're talking about it that I feel so warm and fuzzy. If I can kill an animal with a stick, I'm happy. If I can kill an old animal, with a recurve, that's awesome. I've worked at it pretty hard. Oh, you, and and you've well, you've you've worked at it pretty hard, but you've accomplished something. You know what I mean? I mean that you that animal was not an easy animal to overcome most of the time, and then you did it with a very restrictive method of take. That's that's a that's an accomplishment, regardless of what the antler score. Right, right, right. And and leaving all the technology because. We're working on two hours and 40 minutes here. Let's go to one other thing. We haven't even gotten thing. what I wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> one other thing. Are you going to be here tomorrow? Uh, I can be, but. We could hit another one. But, okay, here's the. Why do you, the, where you got to go? The next thing, I, I need to go shoot my bow, actually. You don't have to go shoot your freaking <laughs> bow. You just want to get out of getting your butt whooped intellectually. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we can hit the other one. How many animals in Colorado um, would you say on over-the-counter tags flee to the green zone of private land. Oh, goodness gracious. I mean, there uh, we don't even have to ask 80%. that question. 80%? Oh, if there is sanctuary, and again, this is part of the seminar I'm, I'm giving now. If there is sanctuary nearby, they will go there, period. Yeah. End of discussion. Now, and that sanctuary at one time 
or still is, pockets and farther in. Used to be. It used to be. Now, because of dumb shits like me and Cameron Haynes yeah, yeah. promoting backcountry hunting and many, yeah. many others, yeah. that sanctuary, the elk are learning, is no... Well, there's still some, right? You're yeah. going to find pockets. Yeah, yeah. But eventually that sanctuary, because elk can travel so far, is going to be to private land. And if If they have it available to them. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yep, I agree. So... But, you know, as you learn the sanctuary portion and you I'm giving away secrets here, it doesn't take a genius to figure out where the San Sangre de Cristos, horrible for sanctuary. Yeah. Like and so you take Frank and I's hunt. Frank's not an elk hunter. We went a long ways in so far that I thought we would hit sanctuary to the point I got night sweats from overexertion after the deer hunt. I body was fucked up. We get back in there and, and Frank doesn't know elk hunting. We hit the mother load of all areas. We've got streams. We've got wallows. We've got cover. We've got everything. We've got 150 elk beds. We've got rubs. We've got no fucking elk, right? There's nothing there. <laughs> exactly. So as we're going through this, I hit a plastic storage bin. Several miles in in the Songgrace, oh, yeah. roughest wilderness, in my opinion, one of the roughest in the lower 48. Certainly no, in Colorado. That's a stud hunt. You've got you, you to be a stud to be in there. We, we are at the pinnacle of an area that we should be knocking down something. We ran into two cows on the way in that were running scared to the private land. Yeah. So I'm like, well, Frank, this should be good, but it, we might as well go home. There's not, yeah. if it's not they're fucking not there, here, yeah. they're not going to be anywhere Unless you else. think they're going to move back in, unless they're going to get bumped from somewhere. But in that area, no, they're down lower on private. And they ain't coming out. No. Okay. So I, you know, as we talked about this or whatever, I'm like, this would be a good hunt the first few days, depending yeah. upon who's in there, whatever else, because there's not going to be that many people motivated. Okay, so this is where the rifle hunters complain about the bow hunters. Yes. Okay? They're scaring all the elk down, and we don't get our opportunities. Yes. Okay? Well, you've got a fucking gun that can shoot 500 yards, but if it's not on public land- Doesn't matter. You can't shoot it, right? So this is where the tag getting taken away from for percentage. Yep. I don't know that it's necessarily- that the archers are increasing the harvest ratio, they may be scaring the shit out of they them. They may the be safety. De decreasing the harvest ratio on the other. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's where they argue what, you know, and obviously yeah. it all depends on what unit. There's other units where there isn't as much sanctuary, right? They, well, and that's the thing. See, and this was my number one. Okay. So the divisional, I don't even know if you knew this, but the division wildlife actually did a quote unquote study and they published a paper on this about bow hunters pushing elk onto private property. They went down, I think it was on the Forbes, near the Forbes Chera Ranch, and their their study design, I'm, I haven't looked at this study in a long, long time, but basically what they did is they went out there and bugled in one area versus bugled in another area, and they engaged bulls repeatedly using bugles and were able to show that, yeah, the more bugling and the more hunting pressure it pushes elk down onto private property, and then there they are. So that 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 study has been used repeatedly as the argument to limit archery, or or as maybe not. Well, yeah, there's been some people that want to limit archery opportunity simply because they can point to that study and say, well, yeah, see, it it, it pushes them onto private and makes them inaccessible. Yeah, I said, okay, fine. Don't do it next to the biggest freaking gigantic private property that you have there. You went into a postage stamp size public land 
that's surrounded by gargantuan tracts of private land that is that the habitat is better on the private land than the public land. And then you went and did your study. Why didn't you back in the day when the White River National Forest was so epic, when, when the population was incredible in there? Why didn't you go in the middle of the White River National Forest where there is no private land? Yeah. Now do it. Yep. You're going to move elk, yes, but that doesn't mean those elk are still not accessible. That was the m- biggest thing that I thought it was a bunch of bunk and bias on that study was you did it in a place where it was set up to fail. You know what I mean? You were, you got the result that you wanted. The, the other thing, too, though, is it is in the song grades, and I'm going to use that for example, yep. they do come back. Okay, oh, so yeah. here was my thing is, well, I've went back down there during a rifle season to fish out of boredom, right? There was elk everywhere where we were three weeks earlier. Guess why? And, and uh, well, they had that break. There was nothing there, and they came back up, and there was private guys hunting, and they Bingo. came back out. You nailed yeah. it right there because yeah. the private land started doing their hunts, and the elk are like, "We're going back up the mountain." Okay, get back to what you said. You said you found a plastic storage bin. Yeah. Was somebody's cashing their stuff up there? No, it was so it was strange. Um, there was nothing in it, and it was large enough for the hike I made. No human could carry it. Okay. Um, so a bear, bear drag no, it up there no, or no, sheep herders or no, something? No, I, I started following mountaineering trails. Someone had to have come in with pack goats from above tree line. Now, this whoever did this was smart, which is why there's no elk there, because I'm assuming they killed something. They came in from 13,000 feet down mountain ranges a ways. I'm assuming with pack goats, somebody else found this honey hole that I figured out just off of looking off a map. And I would assume a bear probably dragged it from above because this literally, like if I took you in there from a um, a habitat standpoint, knowing how the sand grays are, there's not a lot of waters. This place had it all. Um, but elk. Uh, I'm assuming someone came in with pack goats from up above. Some, mules, something sure-footed from above because from tree line down, it's not that far. And it's one of those areas that those elk will hang out until the end of time, until snow or whatever something got, pushes them out they've got a, what they got an area to rut they got an area to feed they got an area to sleep they've got everything they've got water they've got feed so you know obviously when we went in there we went from the bottom and you could see where these elk rutted came down from pressure rutted hit lower pressure and then there's a mass exodus that we followed in to private land that exodus can happen out of private land just as fast because I guarantee you come in October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 5th, they're back up top. Oh, yeah. Because they can make that trek in an hour, yeah. right, or less, right? It takes yeah. us forever. So I got to pee again. So go get everybody warmed up for our last argument here, which I don't know about what it is. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to go down that road because it might it might be uh, a little bit longer than what you want if you have to truly go shoot your bow. Like you need freaking practice. Go shoot your freaking bow. But no, I, uh, this is, uh, I, I've been listening with great intent on your discussions about, uh, penetration and arrows and kinetic energy versus momentum and making the arguments for, uh, heavier arrow setups and maximizing momentum, maximizing, maximizing penetration and, I agree with a lot of it. However, I am I I am I'm thinking I may take exception to the the broadhead portion of that equation because I call bullshit on Lay it on me. What are you talking about? 
I, I, I call bullshit on some of the where I it was specifically ca- talking loud enough to where you should have been heard hearing me in there in the pee. <laughs> a lot of pee. Quit drinking the freaking <laughs> goodness gracious! You need a water blivet sitting outside, just main light in India. I know, right? Um, no, the, all the the issues with all the pen. You know, so you guys talk about penetration. You talk about your arrow setups. You're going with a heavier arrow setup. You're talking about kinetic energy and momentum, which is awesome. You're talking about the systems to get maximum penetration. Okay. Mm-hmm. I call bullshit. Which part? The part where penetration it and I and I'm not saying that this is, but my perception. Now, granted. Two two qualification, well, at least a qualification. I know that I have not listened to every single podcast that you guys have done, and so if you've if you've you and Brian or somebody else have talked about this, my apologies. But there is a perception that I have gotten on some of the the conversations where the focus is on penetration, 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 and I agree with some of that. However, I think. Penetration and, and and the 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 tie-in of that is, if you're looking at the broadheads you guys are talking about, you're talking about like the Iron Wills, you're talking about uh, the Valkyries, you're talking or or is it the Valkyrie? Is it a broadhead? Yeah, you, Valkyrie. Okay. Yeah. Valkyrie, and then the you know cutthroats and a lot of the heads that you're talking about are either. Uh, a two blade with bleeders, a two blade, a two blade with bleeders. Uh, maybe there's a three blade in there, but they're a, generally a smaller cutting diameter. Yeah. And now keep in and, mind before you get in this argument, I shot two and a half inch mechanicals for eight years. Okay. Then we're going to have a good discussion. Okay. <laughs> we're going to have a good discussion because, because I don't, I'm not, but go ahead. Go ahead. I, we're going to have a good discussion because I think this needs to be a part of it. Because I, I think what has been missing out of the discussion in this is. A, what kind of shots are the hunters going to be taking on what... Okay, everybody's a little bit different. Everybody's hunting a different animal and everybody has a different style. Okay, so what shots are people taking on animals? What animals are we talking about? And what's the ability of the hunter? Because let me just just go right... I'll just dive right into it. I think... The con the the conversations you have guys you guys have been really driving and a lot of people have been driving. I don't care if you're talking about front of center. I don't or, or we're talking about mass arrow weight. I like the discussion has been moving towards momentum, maximizing the momentum that you can have with your setup. Okay. Let me just say quickly. If you have high momentum, he can't, he can't stay quiet. The bet, you know, no, but you can't either. <laughs> if you have high momentum, which I've said this before, I think you should have two broadheads in the quiver, a very large cut on contact or a, a cut on contact and a very large cutting diameter mechanical broadhead. Okay. When did you say that? Every podcast just about I do when Bull, we talk about- I don't about, know. You show me. Yeah. Just listen. Um, we just did. We just <laughs> maybe did I one. Did, maybe I missed it. Well, and because that's what I've always done. So, but okay, but, all right. Maybe we're not going to be too far off. Keep going, then. All right. No, I don't, I don't think we you. will. All right. What should she shoot? Well, I don't know her setup. What should a forty-five pound, twenty-seven-inch okay. drawing person? Absolutely. Shoot? You, you're, you're gonna want if you have if you have low momentum. Yeah. Then I think you do need to work towards a broadhead system that is most efficient. Yeah. To get that penetration. But when I say get penetration, I don't necessarily think it, okay, because okay, let me ah, let me formulate this. When I hear about talks about penetration, there are some people, like take me for instance, for instance, when I'm elk hunting, I've killed elk with 
in iron will. And I've killed elk with a rage hypodermic. When I'm elk hunting, most of the time, all the time I'm solo for my hunts. Most of the time, my animals are coming in and they're point blank range. And most of them are going to be some semblance of between head on, quartering two shots. Okay. So in that case, I am in a situation where I might engage bone at an oblique angle that it's going to shut down penetration into that body cavity. So in that case, I want a he- uh, I want a I want an arrow system and a broadhead that is going to get me into that chest cavity. I don't care if that arrow goes from the front shoulder into like my bull that I killed a couple years ago, it went in front of the the shoulder on the left side and laid under the skin on his off hind quarter, okay? It went stem to stern in this bull. But a lot of that momentum, in my opinion, was wasted energy. For you. For, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, exactly. So here we go. So, and then I've been on my whitetail hunts and I see somebody go and say, okay, I want to show up with a iron wheel head, a small uh, cutting diameter head, and I'm going to take a broadside shot and you'll hear people's, t- and this is the other one. Do you, this is one thing that I will always do from now on. I've learned my lesson that when I go with someone new bow hunting, yeah. one of the first questions I'm going to ask him is, how do you, you know, what kind of shots do you like? And, and when you're shooting an ammo, what do you like to do? Because there's every now and then you'll hear somebody say, well, yeah, I, I like to kind of stay away from that shoulder. That is a red flag for me that they're going to be holding back, which means they're going to be shooting towards the backside of that lung. Yeah, you won't be in the golden triangle. I am at that, the shoulder personally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Agreed. So depending on what the person is doing, and if you're in a two-person calling setup, okay, and that animal is going to be, like, even with elk, if that animal's kind of maybe coming broadside to you, yeah. a chest, an elk's chest cavity, yes, it's wide, but it ain't that damn wide. Yeah. And I think the momentum that we have in our systems, I agree with, okay, so I will agree with you. If you are shooting elk generally broadside, I'm sorry. I love iron wheel heads and I will always have them in my quiver, but if it's going to be a broadside elk, I'm going to freaking throw a freaking mechanical through that thing and lay him open. You, you got to understand too, just so you know, I get made fun of for not preaching enough momentum on a lot of sites because I'm the guy what? that says... Hey, you don't need extreme high front of center. You need a decent yeah, airway. Yeah, but FOC is not point. momentum. Um, well, they kind of go hand in hand to a certain degree. If you have extreme FOC, you're going to have to have momentum. Otherwise, you wouldn't. Yeah. Within okay, reason. I, I see. Okay, but I see what you're saying. Okay. I, I yeah, get, yeah. Yeah. I get. You know, I'm like, hey, just have a fairly heavy arrow that flies good. Flies good. You're good. You go. There you go. Now, here's the thing. One of the reasons this talk has gone on now is because. For so long, speed was the key and not momentum. Correct. Okay. Well, PSC, I shoot for PSC and, and PSC's you know, speed kills. Yeah. Which speed wounds a lot too. Um, <laughs> no, no. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but no, no. I mean, for me, for example, when I hunt specific whitetails in Alabama, a lot of times I have a two inch wide, this is with a trad bow, a two inch wide cutting diameter fixed blade. Yeah. Why is that? Put a big freaking hole in them. Yeah, because I can't shoot a mechanical. So it, yeah, but there's times. Wait, wait, I mean, wait! wait. I can't, why can't you shoot a mechanical? With, I probably won't open up. I don't have enough momentum behind a um, 
uh, some of those that it would be worthwhile when I can get a fixed blade to, to shoot. Okay. You don't want to shoot yeah, mechanicals yeah, yeah. with right. a stick bow. Um, so, my, I mean, my thing is, is if you have momentum, shoot whatever you want. That's kind of always been my spiel, is if you have momentum, shoot a mechanical if that's what you're comfortable with, shoot a fixed blade. Can't be argued, a good hole is awesome. Two holes is great, too. You pierce both sides of the thoracic yeah, cavity. See, and th- that's yeah. good, too. It, okay, you just said a big word there. If the thoracic cavity. And this is what I've started to see. Is we, we've if got you people, have enough momentum, there is no if. Bullshit. Uh, I would say not, I'll prove it to you. Well, I mean, I, let me use myself as an example. Okay. You're not shooting 80 pounds with a 600-grain arrow. Show me an elk unless I hit the no, knuckle. No, no, no. I'm not going through both sides. If you made a good shot. Well, What if you made a bad shot? Well, like I did. Which, okay, but if you made a bad enough shot and hit the meatiest part of the shoulder, you're not going to go through that, and I will. Okay, let's not talk about shoulders. Well, let's talk, of course let, you're not going to want to talk about that. I'll win the argument. No, 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 no. Because I don't think, I, I think but if- But you're not going to get an argument from me if you hit it in the stomach. You want a large mechanical because okay, it there fucks we go. more shit but up. I don't Amy th- hears me talk about this constantly. All right, then maybe, I, then maybe people, I'm missing it because I'm, I'm seeing what I'm starting well, to see. you're seeing what you want to. No, no, no. There has been a I'm seeing from Hunter showing up. A uh, hundred different podcasts that I've talked about, large mechanicals for certain situations are good because they'll cut a bigger hole. You can't argue with that. I talked about it on Gritty for three years because I shot no, I inch and a half I didn't or two, two and a half inch. I didn't shoot rages. I shot kill zones. Okay. I didn't listen to cutting. most of those. So that's the thing. Like now I talk about momentum a lot um, and, and because one, that's the going topic. But when we talk about broadheads, I always say have two. And I don't think that can be argued. There will be certain shots conducive mountain lion hunting. I don't think you want a mechanical. One, it fucks up the hide. Two, you got lots of branches in the way, bobcat or whatever, for the mechanical to open up on the way. So if you're shooting through brush, you need to shoot a fixed blade broadhead. I agree with that. When I say brush, because it can open. Yeah, grass or whatever, yeah. Yeah, but there are certain animals, which is why I have big, wide fixed blades now, and narrow ones, is each shot, for example, if I'm on the edge of private property hunting whitetails. Oh, yeah. Probably going to be more conducive to a wide, holy cow, damage broadhead. All right, then we're good. I'm glad we're having this conversation because yeah. I've not heard that lately. And That's what why I'm, I was laughing. And, I knew you and I already agreed because m- my thing is shoot heavy momentum. You want to shoot yes. momentum. After that, but within reason, some people shouldn't shoot mechanicals just because they don't have enough ass behind it. Yeah, no, um, you have, yes, you have to have, a, at least you have to have, yeah, if, if you're not shooting, heavy, and I, and this is the problem, is somebody's going to want you to quantify, well, give me a number, what is that? I, and I can quantify yeah. roughly Yeah. to shoot a mechanical, and there's going to be guys that hop on and say, I shoot Henry Ferguson. I, okay, I'm fucking proud of you. This is for the world <laughs> to hear, okay? Exactly. Yeah, I think you should be at a 450 grain arrow uh, minimum shooting 270 to 80 feet per second with a mechanical, depending upon what type. And you're always going to get the guys that say, hey, I shot this or whatever. Of course there is. You can go bad left or right. You go bad to the left, I want to hit liver, spleen, some intestines. I want to cut some shit up, wide cutting diameter. There you go. All right, we're on the same page. You go to the right, shoulder, I want a three to one, a, a, a single bevel. And- it's up to each hunter to know, and and the momentum thing is where I preach. I want momentum. I want guys to stop shooting light arrows, not worry about speed so much. Who doesn't range anyway, right? Almost everybody yeah, yeah. uses a rangefinder for when you hit left or right. When you hit an elk, for example, um, let's say 
cornering away uh, or cornering to okay, yep. in the stomach. Most people are not going to make it through that intestinal tract if they've been feeding because it's like a hay bale. It's like a it's a compressed bale with a mechanical. All right, then I've I have not heard you say because late again I didn't listen well, to a lot of the gritty you stuff. You probably listen to the ones you wanted to listen to to argue, but you and I are the same. No, no, no. And, I, no, I listen to the ones that intrigue me, but I just haven't come across it because I'm starting to see hunters show up with me, and I'm seeing them out in the field, and a lot of these guys. And, and again, I shoot iron wills. I love. I I wish, and I freaking I I flat out said this. I want to see Bill make a mechanical version. I would love to see Bill with his tolerances and and, and material. Give me a freaking giant cutting hole. Even make me something like a, um, a Ramcat. Give me because the thing that I'm seeing is we're getting people that are. I'll just I'm not even going to lump people into it. I I'm seeing where. Just because you have maximum penetration is not the end all be all because there's you're never no, but if you guaranteed had a choice, two holes. I would if you had a choice, I would choose more penetration. See, I don't know. Well, because you're not guaranteed an exit hole. No, no, but if okay, you're only if you shoot it gets at you bolt, closer to second than other long. Now, keep but if you mind, have a gar- okay, keep going, keep all, going. Well, no, we'll both talk. This is off past experiences. Okay, I, yep. so. You're going to take the collective of what you've seen, whether it be you yourself or other hunters. And my collective isn't fair because it's a five to 600 grain arrow shooting 80 some pounds. Doesn't really matter what I shoot. Yeah. I'm getting two holes or I'm getting one big ass hole um, because I shot mechanicals and fixed and I had the wherewithal to take a choice right beforehand. And a lot of times it wouldn't have mattered anyway. So with a stick, it's different because totally different scenarios with a compound. Okay. You take Frank. Frank shot both mechanicals and fixed plates. Now, I'm leaving out the argument a mechanical could fail. Sure. It's yes. a given. Yes. It's a small given. Yes. But I am going to throw in with every mechanical that could fail, every person with a fixed blade could have piss poor form and have even worse because at least I know the mechanical will hit the animal where the fixed blade, the guy probably didn't tune it and he may not hit the animal anyway. So there's oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with arguments you. on both sides. Gillingham and I did one on this too. And Gillingham's more for mechanicals than when I am. I'm kind of happy medium. Long time. Oh, ago. no, no, no. I think I did listen to that. Okay. So yeah, yeah. You have, so everything being equal, meaning everyone's got their bow tuned. Okay. Everyone has their bow tuned. Everyone has perfect form. You're just going off bad shots and good shots, meaning there's no torque involved. There's none of the yeah, shit yeah. people are going to argue about. All that's even, even and perfect. It's just a matter the animal takes a step or does not. To me, if the animal's facing left to right, if it takes a step to the right and you shoot in the stomach, the intestines and liver, you want a mechanical, a wide cutting diameter with something pumping out good momentum. If it takes a step back, which generally never happens, or you shoot to the right, you want a more penetrating head. It can't be argued you will not get through unless you are shooting a beefy, beefy-ass momentum bow, a big-ass cutting diameter broadhead is not getting through the medius part of the shoulder. And this comes from a guy that aims at the shoulder. Shoulder or the leg muscle? Shoulder. Okay, yeah. See, Scapula. It, yeah. Okay, scapula, yeah. No, it's it's probably not going to go there. Now, mine do. Okay, so it doesn't matter what I shoot. I mean, yeah, and I'm saying the average that, person. Yeah, yeah. Shooting that's a, what let's I mean. just say they're shooting a 500 grain. Maybe they went to a 500 grain arrow and even they're shooting a 65%. Is, or they're shooting a 65 pound bow. Yeah, that even still, you're like, eh, hey, maybe. Um, but the momentum discussion has come up 
um, a, a lot lately because of the Ashby theory and me shooting a trad bow, which goes more into momentum, uh, which is why I've talked about it. There was four podcasts. I didn't talk at all about mechanicals. We were just talking about momentum and FOC. My opinion is that if you're shooting a high enough momentum bow, you should have two broadheads. You should have a mechanical right, and a fixed. Might. See, I, the, the thing is I'm looking at now and well, I've, no, I've been watching I'm going it. with you where just, you're at. I'm shooting it with a compound. There ain't no fucking mechanic. Or there's no fixed blades in my Maybe one or two. Just because be, if you need to follow, if something happens and you need to, yeah. and you do need to get max penetration. What I what I need is something to make sure it doesn't cross a border. Yes, that's one. Um, and that's going to be a mechanical. No, you can't argue that. And Broderick laughs at me because I not laughs he because I have four different broadheads in my quiver. Three are for testing. Okay, so the Valkyrie, which is a three to one ratio three blade, the Cutthroat, and the Iron Will. That is a strictly scientific data for me, bone splitting, penetration. Let's see what I can get. Single bevel versus double, double bevel yeah, versus three bullshit. bullshit. And then I got that wide SXXL. Two-inch cutting diameter fixed blade. I got one in the truck. It's wicked, right? It's it's from Grizzly Stick. Turkeys and whitetail. Okay. I shot that big ass, that mule deer there. I shot that with a two and a half inch or two-inch cutting diameter tree shark. Okay, so for example, this is with a stick bow. I guess I've never told this story. When I shot that mule deer with Frank at four feet, I had an XX, I had a tree shark on my bow. When I got to 12 yards, I knew the likelihood of me going through some bone were good. I popped that off and I put on a cutthroat. This is straight for penetration, okay? I ended up shooting, and nobody knows this, the base of the neck head. That's the only thing I could see at three feet. You can call me unethical or whatever, but... At that distance, I needed the penetration. I didn't need a big hole. I needed it to get through everything. Obviously, it worked out. Rewind, stocking in on the mule deer in Alberta. I have a cutthroat on. I realize the likelihood of me shooting and needing a big hole is better than penetration. Even though I ended up taking a far shot, which is 40 yards with a stick bow, maybe penetration, but I knew my bow had the ass behind it. I put a tree shark on. Reverse that with a compound mechanical fixed blade, same thing. I don't think I would have found that big-ass mule deer if I wouldn't have shot the wide one. Yeah. Okay, the tree shot. Yeah. Because I made a bad shot, uh, not horrible shot, because I, I ended up going in back in here, um, kind of angled in and, and hit into the intestines, um, had a big hole. It's hurting. It's cut. It's in, You know, you take a nick of an intestine and you take half of them cut inside, he's sick. Yeah, he's shutting down. That's, yeah. the, that's the point. He's yep. shutting down. You put a big freaking wound in that gut pocket, they're shutting down and not going as far no, as I, fast. You and I wouldn't argue over this because this is fucking common sense, and I have that. Right, like, well, I didn't hear some of yeah. these previous ones then. No, no, you... I didn't now, listen to a lot of the gritty ones back in the day. I didn't listen. This is leaving out the argument of failure. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mechanicals are getting better. If you have a good mechanical, um, a rage, I don't shoot, but I've I've heard they're good. Um, the sever is a new one that's good. Like Bloodsport had good ones. Shitty metal. They're horrible now. Shit breaks. Kill zones are the same way. Blades break off. But a good mechanical broadhead on some animals, not all. You can't. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Some animals shouldn't be shot with mechanical. You can't argue a bigger hole is better. And if you can't hit, now Andrew Munsell and I talked about this. He didn't want to shoot a kill zone because he wanted two holes, right? Yeah. And didn't have enough ass. He doesn't. He shoots a four hundred and something. 
it could have changed. I may be misremembering. But the end of the day, he didn't have enough ass to put two holes in with a kill zone because it's a momentum sucker. Yeah. So it was a rage. So he was kind of going back and forth. You know, he's listening to Tim Gillingham. Gillingham's not even the fucking argument. He's got a 32-inch draw. He's going through, right? So, but you take, for example, you take Amy shooting a cut on contact head, without a doubt, on anything except maybe a turkey. Um, you go up to the next guy, 60, 65 pounds, 28-inch draw with a, let's say, industry standard 440 grain. It could be argued he shouldn't shoot a mechanical at a lot of different things, but a whitetail's not one of them, in my opinion. I think he'd be fine with a... You go to elk, I would strongly encourage him to just shoot a fixed blade broadhead at that parameter, okay? You start going on other side of that parameter, he could probably get away with it. That's like that breaking point, right? Now, you're going to have lots of guys, Mark Smith being one of them, shot a bunch of stuff, whatever. Yeah, if you hit it in the lungs, there is no problem. But we're, I don't think we're exactly. talking about no, long shots. when it goes bad. Yeah, when it goes bad. Now, I will say if I had to choose a broadhead, mechanical or fixed, for the rest of my life uh, with a compound, I would choose a fixed. Um, the only reason why I would choose a fixed is I'm unethical and I shoot them coming or going. And there are certain shots I should not take with a mechanical that I can take, take. with a compound. Now, this is me, and I'm a good enough shot... I don't have to worry about stomach shots all the time. I'm not saying I'm infallible. I mean, shit happens. But I guarantee if I get one corner and two, I'm splitting the neck and the shoulder every time. I mean, I do it every and time. And I think that, okay, then, then, then A, I, I apologize. I missed some of those previous conversations. Well, you didn't bash me or anything. You don't have to apologize. I just think that probably I could have answered your question about 30 seconds. There it cannot be argued. When you well, I think people goes, need to be evaluating this because I don't think people are. And yeah. I think, and I, I take it a step further. I said, I think people need to evaluate their hunting style because if like me, that's why I like the iron will. Now, granted, I still have a tripan in the quiver because I want, if that, if I know the animal's going to be going broadside, it, well, let me take a step back. If you're, if you're hunting in, like for elk, let's just keep it with elk. If you're going to be hunting solo and doing what I do and probably what you do too, that animal is going to be facing you. It's going to be quartering towards. Yeah, you, you have the, the risk of engaging bone. So, yeah, maybe go with a, a broadhead that's going to give you maximum penetration. But the problem I'm also seeing, though, or, or, without going, let me finish my thought. But if you're like a two-person setup and that animal's, you're, you got the collar bringing it by you and that animal's going to be broadside. Yeah. I think that's where you go with a, a mechanical because even even if you go with what you guys are saying, especially with the day six arrows and everything else, the the, the heavier momentum, yeah, I don't care. You're gonna get chest penetration. Yeah. I would still rather. I would still rather if you're if you're hitting ribs, if you're hitting lungs, you're still gonna you're gonna get penetration in there, and you're gonna get a freaking big ass hole. Well, I I mean you can't that little four point the yeah. white tail. I hit that with an iron will. I mean, don't take this. I mean, I, I love the iron wheel. It ran 280 yards through yeah. the lungs, high angle. Yeah. I hit a doe, but it wasn't a buck, but same size, older, right? Okay, that buck's three and a half. The doe was five, probably. Um, In the liver, kind of, with, I mean, it. she didn't, she, it, she was not happy with a two-inch hole through that liver, oh, right? Oh, yeah, no. And so yeah. that can't be argued. Here's the problem, Okay. What you're hearing with the momentum thing has got you skewed a little bit. Okay, let's rewind, okay, back to can't throw in an axe through an animal, the yeah, rage yeah, yeah. days. Most 
and but most guys are shooting tail light of an arrow. Okay, I'm down um, mule deer hunting in in southern southwestern Colorado. Got a guy. I'm not asking him what he's shooting or whatever. Anyway, he shoots a rage. Um, you know, straight into the rib. The the broadhead opens vertically with the rib. Rib concaves a little. Arrow bounces out. Okay. Those stories, rewinding, went uh, were forever. Watch any TV show. How many, uh, and I don't watch them that much, but in Alabama, my eyes were open. They're aiming center, center at the whitetail, it seems yeah, yeah. like. Broadhead barely goes in and they run off. Oh, yeah, they got okay. at least half the arrow hanging out. Hanging out. Okay. You get a lot of that, you're going to get guys to start swaying to preach about momentum, which I'm all for. I think the the mechanical fixed blade it's kind of an inconsequential moot point for anyone with any common sense. Now, you're going to have guys on one side of the fence, the mechanicals are the end of the fucking world, and you're going to go to hell if you shoot one. Not really, okay? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. My 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 animals on the ground can attest to... Same, exactly. Okay. Uh, I've had one not open. Okay, I, yep. I have. Now, um, the other thing the people preaching about anti-mechanical need to think about is not everyone can tune a bow, Okay. And if a guy's going to go in the field, which all hunters are, and that hunter can't tune a bow, and he shoots a fixed blade, and let's say that fixed blade's any width at all, anything, any any fixed blade, but it gets worse as it gets wider, the chance of actually hitting that animal where he's aiming probably reduced by 70%. Um, I mean, just take a guy and have him shoot a broadhead. Go to any archery range and have a guy screw a broadhead on and shoot at the target. He's probably not going to hit it. Where with the mechanical... Out to a certain distance, he's going to hit it. I mean, that's why God created mechanicals for shitty tuners. Initially, that was one of the big reasons, and a wider cutting diameter. None of that can be argued. I just want to make sure that people shoot a good amount of momentum and don't focus on speed. If I had a choice between a guy shooting 290, well, I'll do the math, 290 and a 400 grain arrow, um, and you reduce it to 250, so that's 40... uh, yeah, what, that's 40 um, feet per second, and it's 3 feet per second per pound. So, he, or, uh, excuse me, 3 feet per second for every 10 grains. Uh, what's that equal up to? He's going to increase. How many times 3 go into 40? 3 goes into 30 10 times, so 33 plus grains. So he's adding that, I think, if I did the math right. Either way, figure it out at home, people. Um, I would rather him shoot the heavier, slower arrow is what I would like. No, I, I, I agree with you. The thing I'm seeing is, well, the thing that I, I've seen a couple bad hits this year, and the one thing that I always, I don't care what broadhead system you're using, I don't care what arrow set, you're never guaranteed a pass-through. You're never guaranteed two holes. But you are guaranteed one, the one that's going in. Well, sometimes you're not guaranteed that. Well, no, okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. But if you, if you hit the animal, then you're guaranteed you've got an entrance hole. The question is, is what is that entrance hole? What's what's that entrance hole doing for you? We're only talking now, not as an argument. This is an information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. If you have good momentum, what I just said is out of the question. You're getting an entrance hole, uh, minus the knuckle or odd the off ball shit. Um, and it, no, it can't be. I think if someone was going hunting with you, if if you invited me to go whitetail hunting with you, and I had a compound, and I'm shooting my normal setup, or let's say I'm shooting 70 pounds, 28 and a half inch draw. What I'm probably going to have is three mechanicals and three iron wheels. And why am I going to have both? More than most likely, um, depending, right? Okay. 
I can't always choose. If you put me in a specific setup with it's conducive for a, a buck walking straight in, I'm probably going to shoot an iron will because I will shoot that fucker between the shoulder and the neck. Just like I did this year with mine. Yeah. Yep. Very lethal. Blood fly. It's in, insanely lethal. Or else you're going to drop them in the tracks, tracks. and you catch that. Fine. The, yeah. Yep. Okay. Reverse that. There is a very good chance I'm going to get a buck coming down a runway from right to left. He might be walking, which argue if that's lethal or illegal or not or ethical or not. He he could be walking or he could be on high alert. He could be chasing does. There's a chance for him to move faster. I'm shooting a mechanical because there's a good chance whether he's going right or left. Um, if I catch him too far forward, I'm probably screwed anyway, unless I have that insane setup I always hunt with for that reason. And it's probably going to wean a wounded buck and he will not die. But uh, see, I, I don't. Well, okay, keep going because I agree with you largely. But I think we, I think we're undervaluing the the benefit of a gargantuan hole, even if you get partial penetration, because you're just creating blood, and it's a hell of a lot easier to track that when you're getting blood on the ground. No, and I, I'm not going to argue any of that. The only thing I will say is this industry spent too long preaching speed. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and that's why, which I agree with, this whole momentum thing has gone on and penetration is because the industry I preached just see for the pendulum so swing into where now we've got guys showing up with well, and hopefully it'll I know that's level exact out, that's right? why I yeah. wanted to talk about this because I haven't ta- I haven't heard you say that before when well, my Frank setup is literally identical to mine. He's got either dead meats or those big wide schwackers, um, and he's got iron wills. Because yeah, that's a perfect if, if setup, in if, my opinion. If you're, and that's what I saw, I saw with with a couple archery shots this year, where they were shooting a, a small. It was a, a fixed blade, cut on contact, small diameter. You know, if you're shooting from a tree stand and you know it's quartering away from you, and you go down in, okay, yeah, you cut, you caught gut pocket and that hay bale, but yeah, you got penetration, and it went into that liver and into that lungs or whatever, spleen, all kinds but of. But it didn't in there. come out the bottom. Yeah. You have no blood trail. All that blood is inside there. And now my tracking job is as somebody that's guiding you. You know, you say, oh, I, I hit one, but I can't find it. Oh, great. Well, even, and I will say, even with where you're talking about, it's almost inconsequential if there's an exit hole because the intestines plug the hole. Exactly. Almost exactly. When you, have, when you have a small hole. If well, you have, even, a, uh, even with a big hole... I mean, I've had, the had intestines. I've seen the intestines fall say, out. We had three and a half feet of intestines hanging exactly. out, and eventually it plugged the damn hole. But yeah, but they, but usually <laughs> they don't. Them down. <laughs> I was going to say, but they don't run very far. Yeah, no, no. I think if anyone takes anything out of this, don't get wrapped around speed. Get wrapped up around momentum, and what you put on the front of your bow should be conducive to the area, the animal. Take organ style. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, organs wet. Alabama wet, wet. And again, if you look at my uh, my quiver and my, my 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 trad bow, it's the same. I've got a broadhead for every situation. I'm I have the ability to tune, and they all hit the same. Now, I will say for like the wide one, most of the time because I got five inch chicken feathers, they're grouping at long distances, right? But little wind and everything, that one's not coming out the quiver, right? But closer shots. So this year, I've shot a couple turkeys and a black bear. Uh, a couple mule deer, a pile of white, and a pile of whitetails. Okay, the high country buck. I didn't shoot the wide, uh, broadhead, and I never would have. It was an iron will or a Valkyrie or a cutthroat. Now, I shot them both with Valkyries. The reason why is you can see a long ways up high, so the chances of them getting away are 
yeah, yeah. You can watch slim. where they're going to go. You've got some wind. You got some up. I've got bad footing, right? I've got it, you know consi- inconsistent potentially form. No different than with a a stick bo- or with a compound. There's going to be times that uh, uh, one broadhead is more conducive than the other. The things that solves all problems is momentum. That that will fix any argument whatsoever because where the argument comes from is jack wagon shoot low momentum with a mechanical and just not getting not getting anything right. No, and I'm stuck in the middle of this shit because I agree with everyone. Like I don't agree with everyone. I'm not on the fence uh, on anything except momentum. That one, or I say on the fence. I'm not on the fence with momentum. You need to have momentum. Mechanicals, I think there's some people that should have them, some shouldn't. There's fixed blades, same thing. It's just how it is. Now, let's run through. I Believe it or not, I got to pee again. Go through your scenarios because people need to hear that. What happened with that, the situations with – Because and make sure you understand, Chris is not talking about Cape Buffalo, moose, and shit. He's no, talking white about whitetails and, and elk. Yeah. And, and what happened in those people's setups. Well, I'll talk to you about my setup. And this year – and I will throw myself on the, the – sacrificial fire here because I did something that uh, you and Joel and Tom and everybody else talking about form and shooting and everything. I basically did everything wrong all at once. Um, I I lost my first bull this year. I, this is the first time that I've, um, I believe I mortally, I believe I killed a bull, um, but I did not recover it. Um, I was using the iron wills. It, at two week, I've been we've been hunting two weeks. It's been a grind. It was a tough season. Uh, we had opportunity. Pl- I had plenty of opportunities. Younger age class bulls. I just choose to look for a little bit older age class bull. Finally, last day that I can physically hunt before I go to Arizona. Here we go. Um, I get a bull to come in. He comes in, and the the bottom line, the truth of it. If I am critical and look at myself, I wanted it too bad. I wanted it too badly. And so the bull comes in, he stands there, I don't have a shot, he starts to come, he, uh, so here I just let him be, he starts to come in a little bit more, and he's going to pass by me, he's going to pass by me 14 yards, he's going to go broadside, he's going down a steep hill, and like an idiot, I did not stop him, I mean, I come to full draw, he doesn't have a clue in the world, and I did not stop him, and... This is where, like, Jason, this is where <laughs> Jason is what he tried to do, start a lawnmower or start a, a, a chainsaw. I mean, I ripped that trigger on that release. I mean, I might as well just snap the trigger off of the release. I mean, I just, I I didn't stop the bull, and I just, wham, just pounded that thing. That arrow might as well just come out of the bow sideways. I mean, I'm dead serious. When it, when it launched out, that thing, I swear to you, was coming out at a 45-degree angle. The kick on that thing was just disgusting. And so, of course... I didn't stop him. He's dropping. So I so the arrow slams into the top back part of his rib cage. So if I caught lung, I caught the top back of one lung. But because that arrow was kicked so hard, that sucker just knifed and whip, and the whole arrow disappeared into that gut cavity of that bull. And as soon as it went out, I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. And down the hill he goes, stands there. I know I've got to get another follow-up. He's going to die, but I need to get another follow-up. I try to sneak around. He sees me. He blows out, takes off. I've got two little thumbnail size drops of blood, tracks in a sea of tracks. He dives into this wilderness of just crap down. I could, I lost him. I, I just flat lost him. Now, you sit there and say, okay, well, Chris, you, you, you shot 
pathetically. You shot. You you made a horrible, horrible shot. I will say, I've seen other shots like that. If I had if I had done that with a tripan, I would have put a freaking two two plus inch hole on that inside hole. I would have had blood on the ground, even though it may I may have needed to leave him sit for twenty four hours or more. I would have at least had blood on the ground that I knew, okay, this is the direction he went. I can stop. And I, I might've had a better chance at following that animal. Same thing. I've seen that repeatedly this year where we've got guys coming out or, or it's me. doesn't matter where a small cutting diameter head goes in a really bad place. It doesn't leave blood. And it doesn't leave, it doesn't shut that animal down. And so now for me, when I get the whitetail hunters out, or if I'm guiding elk hunters, I'm going to look at their setup and I'm going to say, okay, what, what do you typically like to go for? Cause you're right, Aaron, you said that triangle, you know, that, that golden triangle that, that, or sometimes that pocket or whatever you want to call it. If you are the person that likes to hunt and try to get an arrow in the forward part of that chest and that's where you typically shoot, then I think, yes, you have the risk of heavy meat and bone. I think that's where, yes, you on an elk, maybe lean towards a fixed blade that's going to give you maximum penetration. If you're doing that on a whitetail and you're using the system that you're talking about, Aaron, yeah. I still think just run a big mechanical. Put a freaking well, mechanical here, in there. Here's the thing in it, in it with today's technology, and this is rough numbers, 27 and a half, 28 inch up. Okay. 500 grain arrow is a base platform. You can shoot whatever you want. It doesn't matter. That's in my opinion, elk or deer, right? You're going for the most part, you're going through. And here was the eye opener for Frank. I don't know how heavy of arrow you shoot. Um, 530 to 550, depending on what I've got for so, my flesh. So you know the deal. You're going through a lot. So Frank clipped the deer's butt barely in the high country, came out its chest. Okay. Uh, up there, and we couldn't find the arrow. Amazing penetration, catastrophic damage. Then you go to his, he hit his antelope more in the stomach, but he hit it with a mechanical. It looked like two footballs hanging out of the side. Yeah. And it just didn't want to go, right? It didn't want to move. So, but what solves this again, all of this is good momentum. And I get, you know, this fucking gay ass, or I shouldn't say that, but this, I think it's called high momentum archery. They make fun of me all the time because I'm like, hey, you don't need yeah. super high FOC, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't, okay? I, it can't be argued high FOC is good. Where my thing is, is I'm not against extreme front of center. What I am against is at what cost, okay? Yeah, what yeah. are you taking to get there? If if you can have a guy set up relatively quickly with 150 grains up front and a 500 grain arrow, I, that is a lethal setup. That is a simple lethal setup that is very doable. Most people don't have the knowledge base to tune a bow with the extreme fuck, uh, for one. And, and you get into all these other problems. So that where I'm getting at is if you get good momentum and decent point weight, it is a moot point. Yeah, and I've said that about 100 times already. You can get away with almost whatever you want, which people, you know, I got the chucklehead saying, how far do you need to go through it? Why are you shooting 80 pounds? One, I can. Yeah. Okay. Because I have no shoulder issues and I'm very accurate with that. Two, I don't take the most ethical shots in some people's books. I don't purposely shoot them in the head, but 
I'll take a frontal. Yeah, where well, variances it, can happen. Well, and if and if you're and if you're it's a pure frontal shot. I did that with a rage, and I blew his heart out. I mean, because you're not going to be if you do it right, you're not going to be catching a lot of bone. But yeah, if you're going to be quartering, if you're the type of person that's going to be taking quartering shots, okay, let's just take elk. My opinion, if you're hunting by yourself. And you're the type of person that likes to crowd that shoulder and you like to take quartering to and frontal shots or whatever, you, you're, you have the risk of, of running into bone, then I think you need to evaluate your set your setup and say, okay, I'm going to shoot a, um, a broadhead that's going to give me maximum penetration. However, if you're going hunting with buddies or a guided hunt and someone's going to be pulling an elk past you and you've got momentum. Yeah, totally different scenario. I, dude, I think, I think put a freaking big asshole in them. If you're whitetail hunting, I don't know if with if you're using a high momentum setup. Well, I don't know if you need to have. A, I, I I know you can the, shoot smaller diameter mechanicals that are still lethal. So take sure, the dead. I, I want to. I want. What I'm saying is, if you're whitetail hunting, and you're gonna, you're the type of person that's going to be taking more broad broadside. I don't know if you're whitetail hunting. I really don't even see. I, sh- I shot my buck this year with a- a- an iron will, but I know that I've killed and it just freaking dropped him in his tracks because I took that. He was, I was in a 20 foot in a tree. He's walking at me 17 yards. I put it right at the base of his neck between his shoulder and neck and just anchored him. Yeah. I could have done that with a rage. Yeah. It, it would have done it. Oh, yeah. I really think that if we're talking about, because I will agree with that person says, how far do you need to go through him? If you've got enough penetrate, if you're shooting a, like the system you're talking about, now keep just in get mind, a freaking big hole going in. I, would, I, I just I I'd can't hide, see the benefit of, or the, 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 the uh, I can't see the problem with that. I would high shoulder shoot deer like a rifle so they wouldn't jump fences in Nebraska. Yeah, that makes one, sense. Yeah, that, yeah, you yeah. Know, so you can't do that with every bow, right? Yeah. So that's when. But yeah, go to the stick bow where it takes all that shit out of the equation because I don't have that much momentum. If I'm on a tree stand set that's by a river. I'm probably shooting a wide one, right? Got a good chance of getting in the river. I do not want yeah, that see, problem. It, and I'm, keep going because I think this needs to be said because I'm starting to see people show up with me and they're coming with these small heads and max and they've got a good system, but they're shooting these tiny little darts, but you're in places where you're not getting an exit hole. So now there's not a lot of blood loss and there's no blood trail. We'll talk about it a little bit further. Um, I know I got to get going too. No, no, but- no, but... If you can shoot a wide cutting, wider cutting diameter fixed blade, that solves some problems too. Yes, it does. Inch and a sixteenth is is not remotely close to wide. Inch and an eighth—that was taboo a long oh, time ago. Yeah. So you start getting in the inch and three eighths, inch and a half, inch and five eight. Yep, and and you can get that to tune. You won't shoot out past forty yards with this. Is a, this is a compound. Yep. You won't shoot past forty yards. That's good for all things, I think. You know, if you don't want to shoot a mechanical and you can get that to tune, it's going to take some veins and shit. That'll take fix a ram. It. Take out the original, the original Ramcat for a minute. They they flew like awesome, and they put freaking holes in animals. Yeah, I saw several shot with the Ramcat, and so. Like right now, slick tricks mm-hmm. are another one. Four yep. blade slick tricks. They're good. I shot Wackums for a long time. Yeah. They're good. So just so people understand, because um, you know, I go back and forth with trad and compound talking about it. I'm just shooting a trad bow now. Um, with the uh, uh, you know, we, most people may not be able to get a wide, super wide cutting diameter to tune. So like a Valkyrie three blade, it's got more blood, whatever. But you don't have as much to play with on the stick bow as you do as the compound. I think one, what should be taken from this is one, learn to tune your bow where you can shoot anything, right? Because then you don't have to worry about it. Two, if you're tuning your bow well enough and you're not worried about speed and you want to shoot one head, 
get a wide cutting diameter cut on contact or a fixed blade broadhead. That will solve a lot of problems. But no, everything that you're talking about, I don't, yeah, no, no disagreement from me whatsoever. I'd be a hypocrite because I, I forever, I, I shot two broadheads in my quiver. Well, my, again, I didn't listen to some of your earlier stuff. Um, really, I mean, I listened to some of you. I basically, I, me podcast, I pick and choose. I go down to the list. I'm like, not interested. Not interested. Oh, that's a cool topic. And, I, and I'll just, and that's what I focus on. So, it just seemed like the pendulum went to that speed. I mean, heck, I remember when uh, rocket broadheads. You were talking about shooting these little, you know, one inch, you know, Wolverines oh, or whatever, like tiny Ultimate little, steels. yeah, just uh, steel, yeah, steel. What it just I was like, we've gone from the pendulum going uber light, uber small. I mean, I remember seventy five and eighty five grain, you know, broadheads and you know, small, fast, and now the pendulum seems to come and be be coming back. But I think some people are losing. I, I see there's some people are losing the idea of, okay, yes, penetration is good, but you're only ever guaranteed an entrance hole Here's the if problem. you hit them. People hear one what they want. Yeah. Right? Not what is all talked about. So when you when you talk about, and you get a ton of guys, in fact, I, I, I think I got kicked off of the one thing because, you know, guys are making fun of me or whatever. Well, let me see what you put on the ground. You know, yeah. and I'll get arrogant comments for this. I don't give a fuck. I've but I need, to, I need to know your I need to know you, your qualifications of yeah. where your discussion's if, coming from. If you're from. telling me you need 350 grains up front to be lethal, let me see how lethal you've been. Because if you haven't been lethal yet, how do you know? Yeah, I'll tell you all you want to know about running a marathon. I read a book about it. Yeah, I can't tell you the pain I felt because I've never done it. And so a couple of those don't count. And and I'm not. I have the opportunity to hunt more than most people, and I will say that. But what I'm talking about is. If you're looking to get something set up and you you send me a message and say, hey, I'm looking at shooting an iron will, what do you think? I'm only going to answer that specific question. If you say, I'm going to hunt whitetails, here's my system, you're going to get a broader question or a broader answer yeah. from me. And so, again, a well-tuned bow, good components, high momentum, I don't think you can go wrong with both. I think you should have both um, in some ways. And when I say that, you're not going to be able to swap broadheads all the time or whatever, but... No, but you know your... You, yeah, you know the setup you're getting yourself you into. You go on a stock on a mule deer and it's in willow brush, I'd probably shoot a... Get yeah. a fixed blade, right? Um, you know, and if you're going for... What's another animal? Mountain goat. I'd, I'd steer people towards mechanical. Uh, with the right setup, they suck up lead a lot, okay? You don't want them to climb, okay? And climbing is a problem. Now... Having said that, if I had mine to do again, I shot it with a giant mechanical. I, I wish I would have had iron will. I would have high shoulder shot it, pinned it to the ground because it fell off a 2,000-foot cliff, and I have the ability to shoot it where I want to at that distance. If you don't have that ability, work on your fucking ability because you suck. But if you do have the ability to put the arrow where you want to in good yes. situations, I don't think you can shoot both. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a guy who's a rage guy. I've never been a fan of I, I shouldn't say I'm not a fan. I don't know enough about them now. When they started, you called me. They're open up coming out of my bow. Uh, you remember that? Not me. Yeah, 100% you. This was years ago, 2008. I never had that problem. I, uh, I, no, no, not your bow. My bow. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> this was- I thought you were talking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 not you. You asked me about them. You yeah, liked yeah. them, and I yeah, said yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. shoot them. They yes. open coming out yes. of my okay. bow. It's like now, 2008 okay. yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, they do great job. I mean, my buddy, up, he's a bear guide. That's all he wants people to shoot is a dry pan. Um, yeah, put a freaking hole in them. Because, you know, but, you know, you take these guys, uh, um, the guys from Stickbow Chronicles were talking to me about it the other day. We were argu not arguing. We were talking about- this Spirited and I said, debate. yeah, well, and I said, hey, I was in the middle. I said, look, 
your idea may be a penetrating head, right? Okay, my idea for bear is a big hole, but you want two holes sometimes. So maybe you want two holes if you're shooting a, a traditional bow. You might want to get maybe not quite as narrow of a cutting diameter, but you want to get through it. You want two holes because you may not be able to get two with a wider one. With a, you can't argue two giant holes with a compound. Oh well, hell, I, I mean, I, I've shot a lot of bears with compounds. I don't think I've shot one with a fixed blade. <laughs> I've shot yeah. them all with mechanicals. They're not that tough of an animal as far as no, a body structure. To, yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. Learn anatomy. Okay, mountain goat. I was, I was quizzing Amy the other night. It's a constant quiz. Is a mountain goat a thick-skinned or a thin-skinned animal? I consider them thin. Very thin. You can poke a fucking pencil through them. So now, are, they, are but are they a tough-ass animal? One of the toughest. Fuck yes. yeah. Excuse me. So, Excuse me. Yeah. So well, here's the thing. Do you go? What will put a? What will put kryptonite on something? Massive holes seem to slow yeah. things down. Yeah. And so that's where I'm like, hey, if you're going on a, um, uh, well. If you're going on a mountain goat hunt and you're a good shot, shoot whatever you want. But, you know, there is an argument for big holes to get them to stop climbing. Um, you, Justin Davis is a huge fixed blade guy, right? And he hates mechanicals. Justin's a great hunter. I'm not going to argue with him. He's very Yeah, he's very got a recipe and it works. Yeah. But he's not going to listen to this because he already knows what he's doing. Yeah. He, uh, why would, other than to talk shit, yeah. you're not going to listen to this podcast if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing and you have questions and you have high momentum... I would say shoot both. Now, with a stick bow, the key thing with a stick bow is arrow flight and components, you know, and a heavy yeah. arrow, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, take turkeys. Oh, no. Put a freaking, just yeah. get a tomahawk. Just put the if biggest mechanical you could throw. If I mechanical, yes. I'd shoot that bucker. Exactly. Yeah, no. No, I think that's good. I'm glad you brought it up. And, again, I'm not, I don't. You no, have I to didn't hear your. I didn't, podcasts, I didn't, I didn't but... hear some of your earlier stuff because that just. I just seemed like the pen, pendulum had been moving, and people are losing sight of. Uh, you're only guaranteed an entrance hole, and if you are the type of person that shoots the generally softer areas of an animal, or you can't keep it together like me, freaking this year. If if you if you have if you are the type of person that likes to stay away from bone, you like to just shoot the softer areas and you're you're probably going to be a little shaky on the sh- freaking put a freaking head that's going to put a gargantuan hole in them first. The entrance hole, the way the pendulum swinging for me is heavy arrow, don't worry about speed. 100% and I'll never I'm, argue I'm, that. I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz what you think about it, you can't outrun the speed of sound. Yeah, no. No. So and I, this is off my own failings in, in life as a hunter. A quieter bow trumps a speed bow. I don't think that can be argued with anybody that's actually killed anything. Now, misranging yeah, is okay, different. Yeah, that's the qualification. And, and so yeah. if you practice ranging or if you're a rangefinder baby, you generally don't take a shot without it. Um, I, I would prefer a quiet bow with a Yeah, well, <laughs> most people are. I range a lot of shit with my stick bow. So, no, no, I think that's all good. But, yeah, we're working on – we are at three hours and 36 minutes, so we should probably get off. I've, but, got, um, I, I've got the seminar at four, so I probably ought to get the heck out of Dodge and get over there. But. Okay, cool. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. That was a good oh, podcast. Well, yeah, I don't know. It was all over the freaking place. Maybe people enjoy it. I don't know. I just enjoy getting out here and catching up with you and rambling with you. So, anytime. No, I'm going to go drink some caffeine and shoot my bow. Jeez, I'll freaking beat how much? Freaking dude, how big is that thing? Is that a two liter? Yeah, uh, you've you gone know, through how many did you? I drank one of them, so I drink 120 <laughs> ounces a day, uh, of water. Okay, so, so you know, those guys that are talking about how far, how, how much penetration do you need? How much hydration do you need if you're pissing you ever, 27 times a day? Have you ever read it? Read about it? 
Super hydration? Hydrating. Yeah, I read, I think, it. read about it. I think it's overrated. The uh, oh yeah, doctors are fucking retarded. Um, <laughs> fuck those guys. You uh, you should have to piss every forty five minutes to an hour. That's about how often I peed. I've peed three times. We've been on three hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the planet is under hydrate. All right, how much of your body is water? Not nearly as much as yours. Sixty-five <laughs> percent of your body is water. So no, here, yours is eighty-five. So, we've established that. Here's the thing: I went and got tested for my test replacement. I'm one of the only people that ever got tested at a a good hydration level. When I went in and got well, tested, I know that I'm I'm oh, mostly so, dehydrated. Well, that's most the thing. Time. Like I'm not saying what I'm doing. Everyone should do. But you can't deny the fact, as far as physically, that there's it's no working pro- good for it, me. It, it, there's, I don't, unless you get water poisoning. It, yeah, you're, water it, under the brain. Yeah, yeah. You, yep. you don't. There's no downside there's a, to just drinking there's lots a of caveat to that. You water. have to take in electrolytes. You can flush electrolytes out of the system. You got to take in that. And for me, one of it's my gallbladder. I'm trying to get rid of. I have I have gallbladder stones, and I'm getting rid of oh, them yeah, naturally. Yeah. So that's one of them. And two. I just feel better. The strongest energy drink you can possibly buy is water for strength. Um, uh, More hydrated muscle muscle is a stronger muscle. So I just, I started six, eight years ago drinking 100 ounces a day and I, I drink it every day. So. See, when I'm in elk season, I usually am, I'm, I'm just going through it. I mean, I do, it's just interesting how I'm different out in the field during elk season than yeah. I am at home. Yeah. Well, I, like again, there is downsides to it. I need water all the time. Like in the high country, I go through a lot of water because I'm just used to it. And I get really cracked lips, which I never get ever. I never get dry contacts, never get up there and I start getting dehydrated. It's a problem. But no, I just, I, people give me shit about drinking water, but then you've drinking in three and a half hours, two monsters, which are a a dehydrating, they're a a diuretic. Yeah, see, I'm I'm trying to balance this table out. Is what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> no water, just monster. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh.